And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this Friday, April 6, 2018 edition of the Hagman Report. we got a great show scheduled for you today. we got um, Bill Miker and Craig Sawyer going to be joining forces in Hours 2 and 3 to talk about a host of issues from hu- human organ harvesting, drug trafficking, human trafficking, and much more operations that fund black operations. Wait, wait, in the that's got to be a conspiracy theory. Well, we're human gonna... and organ, human trafficking, organ trafficking. You mean to tell me, wait a second, Joe, and, and allow me to punch in here. Sure. Okay. According to Eric the Tech, we just had a, we just had a camera crash here in the studio. Um, not literally, uh, you know, software the crash. Software. So the video, video will be up yeah. shortly. But, but so, okay. So are, are you telling me that like Planned Parenthood, um, Remember those despicable videos of the lunch conversations mm-hmm. where, hey, you know, well, you know, the kidneys and body, hearts and stuff. A human body can be worth anywhere from five hundred thousand to a million dollars on the black market, based on the organs and tissues and things that are uh, you are able to sell and reuse from the human body. Everything from the, you know, the eyes uh, can be dissected; they could be used whole, from corneas to retinas, all the way down to your kidneys, your liver, your heart, your lungs. It's worth a small fortune. And we've seen the, on mine, I gotta tell you. <laughs> no, no, probably mine either. But we've seen the history of the, uh, government's relationship to uh, huge operations of narco or, or drug smuggling operations and how that money is used, uh, not only for uh, government black operations, but is also laundered by big banks. And we're gonna talk about how all these tie together. But don't think for a second that with the, uh, organs being worth so much money and, and the human body being worth so much money that they don't have these types of smuggling operations. I mean, you're talking about you can, you know, one, two human bodies with the right organs can net the same amount as, you know, pounds of cocaine can. So, wow, it's it's almost... Uh... It's it's almost a shame to even put it in terms like that, folks. Our video feed will be up momentarily. Just don't you worry. You're listening again to the Hagman Report on this, the uh, Friday edition, April sixth, twenty eighteen. I was I enjoyed did my morning show and I, I um, got it got here very very early. And I will say this: if you were not up at four thirty, we had an inch of snow. I was not up at four thirty. All right. I didn't go to bed till about two thirty. So, right. well, I got to tell you, uh, I you know I thought this morning when I when I opened the door, Dane Wigington. I thought of Dane Wigington. I thought, my goodness, and it was a heavy kind of wet snow, you know, which which evaporated or melted, I should say, um, but by what noon or so. But but the reason I bring that up, um, ah man, I'll tell you something. The reason I, the reason I bring that up is. This weather, uh, I had a tendency to say it, the winter just keeps hanging on and hanging on. Yet, thinking back to what Dane said last night about how, well, that's not really the right thing. I mean, it's, it's, this is somewhat by design and people might roll their eyes, but you know. Well, that's the question. Is, 
the manipulation of the weather as deep as Dane says it is to the point where they are creating artificial cold fronts yeah, and yeah, they are yeah. creating these winter-like conditions. That's my question. I don't believe, I do believe they have the ability to do, uh, to create weather. I don't know if they have the ability to create whole well, weather patterns. That's my and, and the, question. The, there's, a, there's a great distinction. I, I, I think that's a great distinction. Uh, we do know, as you said, create weather or to create weather Storms, events. create storms, create right. things like tornadoes or favorable conditions to conditions thunderstorms or, right. or to make it rain. But right. can they create sustained patterns over you know, week, week-long periods of time? And to what extent? And really, what would the motivation be? And, and I would... I would, I'm, I'm, I agree with Dane Wigington where he said, um, where it started out somewhat benevolent. And, and I, I, look, I can see that. Where we, we've got to fix this or somebody thinking, or even today, the geoengineering, um, of which the evidence would be, uh, chemtrails, which are, it's not called chemtrails, you know, well, see, I think all these started with wartime applications I more so too, than yeah. uh, anything else. So I don't think any they weren't developed, you know, in some benign way where, well, well let's let's just see if we can, uh, you know, add more um, moisture to to this region. Do, or do, that do you have your cell phone? Uh, you speaking about wartime applications? Yeah. And can you hand it to me? Because uh, uh, folks, if you're watching this, here's what. Okay. See the cell phone right here. This iPhone. All right. All right. Th- think about this. A lot of this was developed because of war, for war applications. So, so mm-hmm. y- I don't, I don't carry these around with me. Uh, I, I'm an old-fashioned kind of guy, but think about this: GPS chip, missile guidance, the camera, missile target acquisition, the cell service, primarily for communication, military communication. So all of you anti-war. People understand what you're carrying around with you in this device for the most part is a byproduct of war. Now, George, I think it's George Friedman talks about this and I don't, believe me, I do not agree with, uh, many of the things that he says. But in this case, I think he's right in a lecture he did where he showed a cell phone and talked about the, the camera. The GPS, the the cell service, um, and a few other features. The actual chip that powers this phone, and think about the military applications. And I think to me that's a that's a very. But, but a lot of people don't think about this. Here you go. To so go ahead and take this and. Yeah, no. I mean, you're right. You're in the garbage. Yeah. But yeah, the uh, it, it doesn't mean that they're supporting war, but. Most everything, uh, you no, know, is not support of war, but no. as a consequence of, and, and it is data it first. It is, uh, yeah. though, I mean, when we talk about, well, look what Facebook's doing. We're going to talk a little bit about this. Facebook was in the news again for attempting to gather, uh, for contacting major U.S. hospitals and attempting to gather patient health information. Now, what's interesting about this, obviously, there's HIPAA laws involved. They're not allowed to grab patient files, but what they asked for was to have the patient's name removed. And to gather the medical data uh, without any identifiable information, All right. but with the database Facebook already has full of information, how hard would it be for them to sync up these medical records to the people who use their service for other reasons, for the social media connections? And this is a scary thought when you think about how far they're mining this data 
and they say it's for a number of other reasons to uh, help, uh, I guess, compile and, and sift through diseases and have a better understanding of, of what how things look like as far as demographics and right. whatnot. But there's obviously much more sinister reasons why they would want this data. Why would Facebook, the one of the biggest, uh, I'd say, intelligence agency-linked government data-collecting services in the world, it's a CIA front. No, I mean, it's the infrastructure CIA. <clears throat> health information? Health information. Right. Why Why not? Uh, do you, can you imagine the, the uh, with the health information, with someone's health, health information, can you imagine what you can do oh, yeah. with, with, with everyone's health information? And think about this, that they were uh, going to take it this far, so far that they would sell it to an enemy hostile foreign government. We see the recent tensions raising with China. Imagine if Facebook, a third-party organization, uh, was asked by the Chinese, we want you know, prof- profiles on all American citizens. And not only that, we want their medical information. How dangerous would it be for somebody like Facebook to sell the government of China all the records that they had? And Facebook keeps files on people who don't even have accounts. And tracks them online. So Which, don't think you're out of this just you because know, you don't yeah, have a Facebook account. I, I found that extremely <laughs> disconcerting. Uh, we have, uh, like, I've got a Facebook account myself. I haven't used it. I, I don't like to use it. Hagman Reports has a Facebook account. Consider in its proper application as a tool for business, business marketing, those people with services or products. I, I'm, I'm okay with that. But where I'm not okay is where you have people who... Um, uh, put up all of their personal information. And what I think the other the sad thing is for someone to measure their own self-worth by the people, by, by the amount of Internet friends that they have, it, that, that speaks very poorly about society in general. And, and I wonder how many people, you know, imagine you've got uh, 5,000 friends on Facebook or however many you, you might have. How many of those people will actually be at your funeral? Or perhaps a better question is how many how many of those friends, air quote friends, if you called up and said, "Man, I am in trouble. I need. Can you help me out? I need two thousand dollars. My wife is in the hospital. My husband's in the hospital. Uh, I'm, they're coming to lock, you know, shutter my apartment if I don't if I don't pay, and I don't have any food. How many of those people on Facebook, if you, if you made a two a.m. phone call, number one would answer the phone, and number two would actually be there in a position to help you out? Yet people, yet people measure their self worth mm-hmm. based on the numbers that, which is just so sad, because. Well, we listened to a, a, a social media expert who talked about the uh, different responses and interactions on social media that are similar to uh, people getting who are drug addicts getting that dopamine hit from somebody texting you back to somebody liking your post, uh, somebody friending you back, things like that, and how it. Uh, for a lot of people who use these websites and measure them, their social status based on, uh, you know, the internet reaction to them, get these dopamine hits and how it's similar to drug use or any uh, positive reinforcement See, I, I that understand makes that, you feel good. I, I don't understand. I don't, I don't quite understand. How, how can you possibly achieve some level of euphoria f- from this? Uh, it, I don't think uh, we grew up in the right time to understand. I, I don't know. Jackie understands it. Jackie's in studio. My daughter, she's works in the office. She's in studio today, and she said she understands it. You, you wanna, you wanna chime in about getting a euphoric dopamine hit when getting likes and things like that. 
popularity and acceptance is what is her reply. Okay, yeah, I, I get that. I, I mean, I, I understand it. I don't, it doesn't mean I agree with it. I, I understand it. Um, Joe, one thing that I want to get to, because uh, we've got a full boat tonight program-wise, a lot of information. Of course, you did your uh, you did the Hagman Daily Show today. Mm-hmm. I did my show this morning, and uh, I also hosted the fourth hour on InfoWars. But what I said what, in my morning show on InfoWars, I just want to pass this along to the, the audience at large here, because what Joe's got, this kind of, to me, lays a foundation for which this the topics lay, or this lays the foundation of what he's going to be talking about. Um, I started out my morning show this morning, and I, and I also started my day out by thinking. And, man, you know, that's really, you don't want me, you don't want to get me thinking. <laughs> you get me thinking. And I was thinking about all of the uh, divisiveness, all of the headlines, everything going on, and the accusations of fake news and, and conspiracy theories. It used to be, well, that's a conspiracy theory. Notice, for example, certain phrases. Discredited and debunked conspiracy theory or purveyors of fake news. Whatever the, whatever the pejorative phrase or terminology might be. I asked myself, when did the term, and I've spoken about this before, when did the term fake news or phrase fake news become part of our lexicon? So I started doing some research just very quickly, and, and I found uh, Cheryl Atkinson had written about uh, written a timeline about the essentially about the Mueller investigation, but about kind of the whole issue of the coup that we were seeing take place. And within that timeline, it was September thirteenth, twenty sixteen, where she wrote that uh, the nonprofit group first draft. Okay, which is firstdraftnews.org, which is funded by Google, whose parent company is run by major Hillary Clinton supporter and donor, of course, Eric Schmidt, announced uh, an initiative to tackle fake news on 13th of September of 2016. And she wrote, Charles Atkinson wrote that that appears to be the first use of the phrase in its modern context. So what I did was I started digging and found that firstdraftnews.org is a, well, the parent company there is the Shorenstein or Shorenstein Institute. And then when you start following the money trails of all these group and shell corporations, you'll find out that it's funded by the, obviously, the liberal fascists, the, uh, the progressive left or the fascist left. This begins to make sense. Think about this. You got the far left, the progressive left, the socialists funding via the Shorenstein Institute, firstdraftnews.org, who this was created, of course, to be the arbiters of what is true and when it's not true. What you will be allowed to hear, or, um, or, or basically, who decides what is fake news? So, if you think about this, and I'm going to turn this over to you very quickly here, but if you think about this, we're seeing today an attack on the Second Amendment, but it's also an attack on the First Amendment. So, you've got this raging attack against our right to speak. How did, how is this played out? The infrastructure, the architecture for the term or the phrase fake news was, was laid out a number of years ago, but became current 
back in 2016. In terms of the media identifying things that Donald Trump says as president or what we say as fake news. The infrastructure was long there, but it became, uh, really it became their baby. That's the left's baby. Uh, much like conspiracy theory was the baby of the CIA back in the day. So here's the bottom line. Here's where we are today. And I'm going to toss this to you after this. The reason that we are finding ourselves today being censored, being sued into oblivion, being told that we cannot say this or that, being boycotted, or people urging sponsors to boycott or uh, not sponsor our show or insert name of show here, you know, Laura Ingram or whatever, because of the desperation by the liberal fascists. We set up and they set up this fake news or firstdraftnews.org to patrol the internet. They even got a 200 and some odd page handbook. How to identify fake news. And oh, by the way, the, uh, based on their findings at the time of that publication of that handbook, Joe, guess who the biggest purveyor, now this is not who you might think it might be, uh, during the 2016 election, uh, cycle, guess, guess which Facebook group was the biggest purveyor of, in their view, fake news? And, uh, now again, careful. It's not who you think it might be. Um, I will, I'll give you a hint. It's a female and she is a pundit on Fox News. Hmm. I don't know. Judge Janine Pirro. Wow. According to this. Now, that, that, that was early on in this, in this lengthy, convoluted, colorful flowchart. You but, think they picked more primetime target, but apparently that's well, the whole... Well, this is Facebook groups. Okay. okay. So, uh, and this has, by the way, has nothing to do essentially with Judge Janine. It is the, okay, the people see. pushing that fa- Facebook group. But I, so I printed this thing out and I put it on my desk and then, I mean, not, not the entire book, but the flow chart and all this. And I'm looking at this and I'm, I'm looking, I'm thinking, wait a minute. Every single, every single item Every single entity, every single person, every single Twitter account or Facebook account that was determined to be fake news by this arbiter of this judge and jury was pro-Donald Trump, anti-Hillary Clinton. So, the the uh, matrix, or the uh, metrics, I'm sorry, using the metrics uh you can see very clearly anything pro Donald Trump, anything pro Constitution, anything anti Hillary Clinton, or exposing the crimes of the Clintons, no go. Fake news. All right, now, hang on. One one more thing. All right, that was 2016 birthed in that fashion, moving forward. But again, existed much earlier than that. Moving forward to today, guess what? If you don't listen to us, see, the the liberal fascists say, we're going to tell you where to look. We're going to tell you which sites are okay. We're going to tell you exactly what you you know where you should go for your news. And everything else is fake. Because you're too stupid. You and I, we are too stupid. We're too ignorant. We cannot think for ourselves. That's their thinking. So, not listening to them, 
What's their recourse? Censorship. Mm -hmm. Here we are today. And guess who's enforcing that censorship? Google, Facebook, YouTube, Eric Schmidt. There you go. It all fits. And guess when this enforcement started in earnest? Not when you think. It started in earnest back uh, right after the election. But when people started talking about the sexual trans, uh, the human trafficking, the nar- the narcotics trafficking, and when they could not control the narrative, they had to shut people down. And that is extended further now into the crimes of the Clinton criminal cabal. And, uh, you know, for example, if right-wing watch cannot counter you with the facts, they need to shut you down. If SPLC or other organizations can't counter you with the facts, they're going to just stuff a sock in it. They're going to try to gag you. Well, listen to this. And that's an important, and it's all yours now. I want to make sure we hit this, because this, this, uh, ties right into what you're talking about. And you can find this on Drudge Report. Homeland Security to compile database of journalists and media influencers. The Department of Homeland Security wants to track the comings and the goings of journalists, bloggers, and other media influencers through a database. The DHS's media monitoring plan, which was first reported by FedBizOps.gov, would give the contracting company 24-7 access to a password-protected media influencer database, including journalists, editors, correspondents, and social media influencers, bloggers, etc., in order to identify any and all media coverage related to the Department of Homeland Security or a particular event. The database would be designed to monitor the public activities of media members and influencers by location, beat, and influences. The document says, the chosen contractor should be able to present contact details and any other information that could be relevant, including publications, the influencer writes for, and an overview of the previous coverage published by the influencer. The request comes amid concerns regarding accuracy in the media and the potential for U.S. election and policy to be influenced via fake news. The plan calls for the ability to track 300,000 news sources, including online, print, broadcast, and social media. Also, it would have the ability to track media coverage in over 100 languages, along with the ability to create unlimited data tracking, statistical breakdowns, and geographical analysis on an ad hoc basis. Now, the link in that article goes directly to a general services administration page for media monitoring services and talked about, talks about the Department of Homeland Security and other national protection programs and the request to put together capabilities for a database of all media journalists, bloggers, and otherwise. Well, we should distill that down a little bit. Because what's the bottom line on this? The Department of Homeland Security is creating a database okay. of all media all right. personnel. And they're going to, in their own words, monitor media influencers who talk not only about the Department of Homeland Security, but also a particular event. So when we see a terror attack happen, if you are one who is covering that terror attack, they're going to put together a database. You'll be in the database if you are... Um, I guess considered an influencer in the media okay. or social media, uh, and, and then and, connected and to what we were talking reporting about. and your reports, so they can look over and say, "Well, let's see, 
uh, is this person accurate? Is this person not accurate? Or is this person, what they're saying, a problem? So we can make it appear as though they're not accurate. Okay. And this is Pay where attention it goes to down the story, a dangerous, folks. slippery slope. And there's not much on this. I haven't dug down into the uh, initial Homeland Security or General Service Administrative, Administrative Request, but they say April 13, 2018 is the due date for uh, a capability statement that is going to be put out covering the core components of this plan. This is, so this is going to be done without passing the law. Right. This right. is an internal right. uh, contract being put out by the Department of Homeland Security to another government agency, whichever government agency will pick up this contract. And it, going it, I, to, I would suspect it would be some some department or uh, uh, with a, with the with the NSA. Some relationship. Well, I hope it's not the, the Southern Poverty Law Center who gets the contract because well, then we'll all be in big trouble. The, the, the mechanics, the operational aspect of this, I, I suspect, will be the the IT uh, aspect will be with the NSA. But the again, the arbiter, the judge of the content, the arbiters will be a leftist uh, organization such as the SPLC uh, or. ACLU or whatever organization would fit that particular model because, but he, and we told, see, we, he, here's, he, oh man, I'm telling you right now, I'm, I'm just, uh, when we talk about censorship and we, we, we talk about because it happens to us, it happens to True News and Steve Quayle and, and InfoWars and, and it's not, it's not, we're not, we're not saying poor us. It's not saying poor me. Joe, this is going to happen to each one of you. That's why this is so important. So if you go on Facebook and you might think, well, I don't have, I'm not influencing the media. By definition, you are. Mm-hmm. Please understand, it's going to affect you. Oh, man. And it's not only going to be used for the purposes which they say, which is, for those journalists to follow those journalists as they cover only the Department of Homeland Security or a particular event. This will be uh, much more widespread in usage than this. And you talk about a weapon that can be used to single out or uh, catalog the independent alternative and other media otherwise to be able to target them. Well, this would be a perfect tool for that, which I'm sure in some government agencies they have that capability already. When we come back, we're going to continue to cover news. Brandon House is going to be joining us, talking about the censorship activities that he's going through while he's traveling from city to city, uh, promoting a, or on a conference, doing a conference. So we're going to hear from him as well in the next segment. Don't go anywhere. edition of the Hagman Report. Uh, folks, bookmark HagmanReport.com. Bookmark HagmanReport.com. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're riding the beast until such time as we can't ride the beast any longer. And I don't know. It could be tomorrow. It could be before the show's over. It could be next month. Who knows? But it's coming. The, 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 the silencing of our voice on that platform is coming. And it's it's coming for each one of you. Let me tell you how bad this is. Okay, let me tell you the other tactic, which you're not hearing about, but Joe is going to bring on Brandon House to tell you about this, because we are fighting this as well. We get accused of purveying fake news. We get accused of, quote, inciting violence. All right? I've got it on legal papers. 
being sued for that. Yeah, paying an attorney by the minute for inciting violence. Let me tell you what the left does. Let me tell you what these liberal fascists do when they don't agree with you and they can't silence you. They do what they do. They do what um, uh, they do to Brandon House and Chris Kabatz and John Guandalo from the FBI. When they go and, and give conferences, small gatherings, talking about the threats that face us, talking about uh, the Islamic threat, talking about the threat of violence from these groups, whether it be Hezbollah. Uh, oh, don't mention that because don't forget Operation Project Cassandra. Oh, uh, but anyway, here's 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 the tactic of the tolerant left. They will take, and this is what they did to Brandon House, who's going to tell us about it here in a little bit. They urge people affiliated with the Southern Poverty Law Center, the Southern Poverty Law Center itself, as well as the ACLU CARE, for example, the uh, 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 Council on American Islamic Relations, and they make public the locations of the venues and and solicit and incite people to go there and disrupt the events. If we cannot fight them, if they cannot, this is them talking now, if we can't fight them on the facts, we are going to disrupt their event. And as a matter of fact, we're going to put them in peril. So don't give me any crap from you self-righteous Christians, you, you sanctimonious uh, Christians out there who say, who send me emails saying, well, we, you know, we got to play by the rules. No, they're not playing by the rules. This is about self-preservation. This is about our safety. And, and let me tell you something. And I want, I'm looking right in the camera. Okay. Those people who would put me, my staff, my family, or just as equally, those people who attend any of our events in peril by these types of actions. Well, let me explain something. Trust me when I say that that you would feel the wrath from our end. I will. I won't tolerate that. But that's what this has. That's how this this whole thing has developed now into this fight. And yet we are accused of bully tactics. We are accused of being intolerant. We are accused of being fascists. Who in the hell are the fascists now? And who, let me ask you this, who are the people who are hanging on the coattails of the people saying, oh, we have to, we have to protect you from fake news and there's this fear porn out there. Joe just gave you a whole litany of uh, the, the, the story about uh, uh, DHS. If you the database, I'll yeah, you. of course, it's a conspiracy theory, right? That's what you said, and and by goodness, don't you dare! Don't. In fact, you are so responsible. We're so irresponsible because we are purve- We are purveyors of fear porn and fake news. How dare you? To those of you out there, how dare you? You put my family, you put our business, you put our personnel, and you put the, the, the people who want to be informed and educated, you put them in peril, and then you bitch yourself about us being purveyors of fake news. How dare you? 
and especially in the name of God. It's over. Let's Amen. go over what happened with Brandon. Um, I'm, I'm just going to give a brief rundown of this and let him come in and explain this to you. But Brandon teamed up with a number of, of people like John Guendalo, Chris Gabatz, and is traveling city to city doing a number of free conference, conferences and free speaking engagements. Well, the Southern Poverty Law Center urged, uh, published the list of hotels that they were going to be at and going to. Since then, Antifa groups and CARE started stirring up protesters. And a long story short, the police are, are involved and events are being canceled, specifically one in Green Bay. And he's going to come on to talk about what it is he's going through as some of his own uh, speeches have been interrupted by protesters and people trying to create uh, disturbances. And now he's going to have to bring on, uh, the cities are saying, well, you know, you're going to have to hire police officers if you want to do your conference here. And this is all because of the targeting by the Southern Poverty Law Center and the leftists in this country. They, again, don't have the ideas. They don't have the backing of the public. They can only disrupt what the other side is doing because they don't have anything to fight for on their own side. They only have something to fight against. And that's so often what we see with these people, whether it's the communist, whether it's the socialist. You, you make a good point. These, these, these mopes are intellectually, morally, mm-hmm. and spiritually bankrupt. They can only do that. Either that or they're, they're so damn self-righteous they can't even see past their own uh, eyeballs, see past the end of their nose to, to really understand what's going on. These ankle biters, especially. Look, we, we understand. We understand the self-proclaimed uh, liberal fascists. We understand those who embrace fascism and socialism. I get that. What I don't understand, what I don't get, are these ankle-biting, self-righteous Christians out there who want to silence the people who are who are taking point on this. Yeah, it's uh... too many, and and enough is enough. The gloves come off, and if, I am not going to court or have uh, provide quarter to the likes of any of you out there that do that. And by the way, the the, the time of being Mister Nice Guy with respect, the, the, it's over. It's over. You're going to feel the wrath, our wrath, here shortly. Believe me, you think I haven't, I've missed, I've missed some shows, I've missed some morning shows. What do you think I've been doing? I, I, I've been putting together some, working with others, I should say it's not just me, putting together a response team that's going to handle this. So, all, all the crap you've been dishing out our way for the last 18 months, two years, buckle up. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, as we talked about the left and their connections and, and what drives them, <clears throat> it is the, the uh, opposition of Christians, opposition of conservatives, opposition to America's own laws and, and customs and traditions. And here's a good example. Oregon's liberal Democratic governor, Kate Brown, accepted a large Soros donation three days before she rejected to send the National Guard to protect the U.S. border. President Trump signed a proclamation saying how he was going to send National Guard troops down to the southern border to protect and to protect the border and help immigration officials uh, secure the border. Well, now it has come out that one of the highest, uh, the, the governor's highest opposed to President Trump and this National Guard deployment is Kate Brown, the governor of Oregon. Well, it turns out she had received a large donation from George Soros Arrest just her. before she came out and said that she would not 
send her, her uh, troops down to the southern border. The, the, the fumes of the fetid swamp emanating from Governor Brown is, is just enough to knock you over, isn't it? And this is from Jim Hoft on the Gateway Pundit. Uh, another one read. wrapped up, uh, another lawsuit. defendant in a lawsuit, Jim Hoft. Yeah. And this details, uh, Cape Brown, it says, Cape Brown has consistently ignored problems facing everyday Oregonians and has instead used the office of governor to make herself a national left-wing celebrity. Now Brown is cashing in, taking big campaign donations from notorious leftist puppet master Nazi collaborator George Soros. And that's very well put. And CNN actually reported, uh, the same thing, but she continues to attack Donald Trump and Nobody's looking at the, you know, where this money's coming from, how this is impacting, if at all, her decisions. I mean, this is the def, this is what, you know, the left has, has gone after the right for so much and that both parties are, are guilty up to their neck in is this money politics, influence politics, influence by money and donations. And through that, getting, uh, the, the people who are paying their money, the outcomes that they want. This is complete corruption, uh, to its core. And if we allow things like this to continue, even though it is hard to tie it together to say, well, this donation was directly related to this decision, at the same time, something needs to be fixed to where you can't have uh, one person or a family of, uh, of trillionaires constantly feeding money to, to uh, have people be the face of their agenda. And that's what we see here. And if she is using, she is, I agree, she is using her position to create a, a celebrity, anti-Trump type celebrity, because apparently there is a market for that. And that's a problem with so many of these politicians that we see. Camilla Harris is another one making a joke. I wouldn't call it a death threat, but she's gotten some news in the last 48 hours over a comment she made on the TV show Ellen, where uh, she was asked what she would do if she found herself in an elevator with President Trump. And she asked, oh, does one of us have to come out alive? Something along those lines. Yeah, I, I laughed my, my butt off on that one. Really. How, 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 how well, class? You laugh. stay classy out there, Kamala Harris. You stay classy. And, and these, these, these mopes like, uh, uh, Colbert. And, and especially that, that, uh, you talk about fetid swamp creatures, Samantha B. Um, that, uh, that half-wit entertainer. Samantha B. My goodness. Or, or, as I said, Colbert, or all of these late night so-called talk show hosts. But, but, but see, their visceral hatred, they're, they've got such this blinding hatred toward, uh, Donald Trump. They can't see straight. They can't think straight. And, and in addition to that, they've got a blinding hatred to everything good that our nation stands for. And it still stands for good. And, uh, our nation, uh, was founded upon good principles. And, and don't, don't give me that. The, Founding Father talk. I know all of that. I, I know of their beliefs, and I, I I understand that, and I understand all of the. But 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 the fact of the matter is, you've got a nation under God, and by the way, you know, do you expect God to judge our nation? I do. Oh uh, yeah, I certainly do. But does that make every person in that nation a bad person? No, of course we've got very some very good people. It's the rot. It's the it's the uh, twisted. Morally, uh, and spiritual, and bankrupt people like, like that, and like the, the entertainers and the people I mentioned. Of course, and the self-appointed righteous, the self-righteous people, as well as the self-appointed, uh, arbiters of, of, of what's fake and what's not. Uh, the, uh, the, the people, the groups like Right Wing Watch and, and that garbage out there. 
but but see the the blind visceral hatred against what is good, everything that's good. It's that's what it's that they cannot. And isn't this the United States of America? Kate, this Brown from Oregon is what's up with that? We're not gonna we're we're not gonna follow that law. We'll take we'll take the federal money, but not follow that law. Yeah. Well, we have uh, just a few minutes before we bring Brandon on. I want to make sure we touch on this: the tariffs that that this war on trade that has been going on uh, today. China, after President Trump announced a, a new hundred billion dollar plan for more tariffs, China has shot back and and called America arrogant and stated that they are ready to sustain a long term trade war. And I don't have the specifics as far as what the uh, how much of the tra- trade deficit we have with China. Uh, but one point I will make is we see all the, the media is going to continue to try to paint President Trump as um, unstable and unhinged and say these decisions are bad. But if you want actual real change as far as the economy goes, it's going to hurt a little bit at first for uh, long-term prosperity. It's not going to be easy. So don't expect uh, the countries who have been making money more so, and having the U.S. U.S. at a disadvantage, to just give that up without a fight, they're going to continue to try to push back and make it as painful as possible. But at the same time, yeah, the long-term yeah, yeah. implications would be much better for the United States. And all these people saying, "Oh, what he's doing, this is crazy. This is not how you do it." Well, how would we know how to do it since no president has really tried to fix these things? Um, I would give good point. the president more of a learning curve than... I, I saw a comment on... Uh, I, I often, as people know, I often visit conservative treehouse, and I, I like Sundance's uh, analysis on things, but I saw a comment. I think it was there. Uh, the deep state has really been in control for the last... The deep state in its current form, uh, that being the CAA's running ahead on that, but uh, for about 25,500 days, which is roughly an av- the, the, the length of an average generation. Or at least at one point it used to be 25,500 days. Consider that Donald Trump has been in office just shy of 500 days. So people are, are wanting results right away, as you just pointed out. Well, look at the difference. It's taken 25,500 days approximately to get to where we are with respect to the current iteration of the deep state. Donald Trump's been, been in office for 500 days. And you want, what? You want things right away? Well, Look Look at a jump start that they've had on Donald Trump. So we have our guest Brandon House with us. Brandon, it's it's great to have you on. Uh, unfortunate under these circumstances, but we gave the audience a little bit of a rundown about the Southern Poverty Law Center publishing the uh, hotels that you were going to be at, and then I imagine urging uh, protesters and others to come disrupt, and they did just that. Uh, so so what's going on? Yeah, thank you, guys. And we're uh, en route back to Memphis. And so if my cell breaks up, please let me know. Just jump in and tell me. But, okay. yeah, the, yesterday morning, uh, Southern Poverty Law Center, Thursday morning, uh, put out a notice listing all the hotels we're going to be at, addresses and phone numbers. Uh, it looked like the whole campaign was flood them with calls, scare them, and shut these down. And so uh, yesterday we received a call before our first rally in Des Moines, Iowa, Literally, as we were pulling into the parking lot in Des Moines, Iowa, at the Holiday and Convention Center, uh, we received a phone call from the Radisson uh, Hotel in Green Bay telling us they're pulling our contract, even though we had a long-term contract and printed 40,000 full calls. They mailed them and did a lot of radio and radio commercials. 
because they said to us on the phone, our management doesn't want people like you at our hotel. We don't want our sponsored groups like you. And I said, you know, it's so much for freedom of speech and freedom of assembly and freedom of religion. Uh, we're not saying anything that's hateful. We're just presenting the facts about Islam and Marxism in the country, the red-green axis. And they said, we don't care. I said, well, about all the expense we went to? We entered into a contract. Based on that contract, we spent lots of money promoting our conference, and now we can't hold our conference, to hold, which is free, and then take a free will offering, which is how we offset our expenses. You're going to reimburse us for that. And they said, well, we'll have to talk to you about that later, maybe. And so they pulled our event. We went ahead and had our conference in Des Moines last night. The hotel in Des Moines had received lots of phone calls. The owners of the Holiday Inn Convention Center in Des Moines, Iowa, are friends of ours. We've had as friends of them for many years. Our families have even vacationed together. And they're, dark, they're stark, conservative, strong Christians. And they were not backing down. And uh, the owners were there last night. They, they supported us. And uh, they were not backing down. Uh, but then we received a call this morning from the hotel we've rented many, many, many times in Pewaukee, right outside of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the uh, Country Springs Hotel in Pewaukee. And they said, our ownership does not want this to go forward. We're canceling your contract. Again, I said, we've been promoting this all over radio, dropped 40,000 full-color magazines. That's a lot of expense. Now we That's one of our biggest cities, by the way, that we hold. Um, we had a thousand, almost a 1,000 people registered for there. I said, you know, how do you expect us to recoup our costs if we can't have our event? Who's going to pay for the printing of the magazines we've mailed to promote this? So they canceled us. Then we were on to on Alaska this afternoon to have our meeting tonight, and then they wanted to know if we had a certificate of liability. They'd received 57 phone calls from angry uh, care Muslim Antifa groups this morning with an hour and a half of opening their office, a, a facility owned by the city of Onalaska. Uh, they wanted a certificate of liability, which they never asked for before uh, this date. So we sent it over to them with them named. And then they said, well, it's not quite what we need. We need X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, you know, you're asking us for something, and, you know, we need to be on the road headed your way to get this done. And uh, it became apparent this was going to be difficult and maybe even canceled before we got there. So uh, I understand on Alaska's concern, wanting certificate of liability, when you start hearing Antifa and what could go down and, and violence and destruction of property, I get their problem. Uh, I, I totally get that. It just happened to us so quickly that we couldn't get them everything they needed to pull the vent off. But the hotel in Milwaukee, the hotel in Green Bay, just pulled right out, out from underneath us because of the phone calls from Southern Poverty Law Center people, Antifa people. In fact, we got screenshots of all this. We're, we're going to turn it into a TV show so people can see named Antifa groups talking about shutting us down. Then they started to alert. So now pretty much all the conferences are canceled. They're bragging on social media. Only one left is Minneapolis. That's where we started out with our first conference in February of 1993. So they're really bragging. They've shut us all down in every city but Bloomington, Minnesota, which is a hotbed for the Somalis and Islam. And uh, so they started focusing all their attention there. To their credit, the Bloomington Airport Marriott said, we'll honor your contract. We were working with the Bloomington police for security to hire. But... They were emailing, and we have the screenshots, some of the biggest radical imams and jihadis in the Bloomington, Minneapolis area, alerting them, look who's coming to your town. Uh, it seemed they were taking all of their concentration from those other cities they canceled, putting them on Bloomington. And even um, John Guandolo, Chris Gobbett, Sharam Hadian, and myself, we all agreed. We don't have the security we need. A couple of police officers is not going to cut this if we're talking Antifa-type groups, but they're violent. And we cannot put ourselves, our families, and our 
uh, our, our alumni and our attendees at risk. If we have our own security team, we trust them, some former SWAT team guys we know that we've worked with before. But I even had a guy who's uh, got 600 people that answered to him, and he's in national security. He has 600 people that answered to him. He said to me on Thursday, he said, uh, if these guys that you're hiring, you know, they may do a great job. But if you see these two officers all of a sudden disappear, uh, you better get out of there and tell your audience to get out of there. Because what's happening is they're being pulled and something's about to happen. And you say, well, that's crazy. Well, guess what happened in Baltimore? What did the mayor say there when the riots were going on? Let's give them room to riot. Uh, what, what happened in Parkland? They were, there were obviously must have been some kind of stand down. The cops are sitting in the parking lot while 17 kids are being killed, right? And we can list other cities where no one moved. There was basically no action going on. Uh, and so even a friend of mine who's in, in national intelligence, but 600 people that answered to him said, if you see these cops all of a sudden disappear, you better alert your crowd to scatter and get out of that building because maybe some people want something to happen. Well, isn't that interesting? Robert Spencer of Jihad Watch said, of course, he tweeted. You can go find it. Spencer tweeted, of course Southern Poverty Law Center is listing all the hotels these guys are going to. They want us all dead. Of course, don't forget, Robert Spencer was the one that was there in Garland, Texas, when they got out, uh, ISIS got out of a car with two ISIS guys in full body armor and uh, were going in to kill Spencer and, 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 and Pamela Geller. And thankfully, the police officer took those guys out. But uh, this is their M.O. You know, a year ago, we had a Muslim come in, film his Quran, and had two weapons. And our security took him out, and he made a video flashing five weapons, two semi-automatic weapons and 1,200 rounds, and telling us with every flashing of a weapon, be terrified, be afraid. Of course, he, he, it took us 12 days to get him charged, and that was only after you and others helped us turn it into an international story. In the end, he gets seven months' time served at the federal level. So this is their new M.O. We can't even get hotel ballrooms. A lot of times they send us a contract before we can even sign it and get the deposit back to them. They've already researched who we are, what happened in the past. They say, no, not a good fit. Now they're actually letting us book the hotels, give them a deposit, or at least sign a contract, spend thousands of dollars printing magazines and advertisement on radio stations, and then a day or two before the event, cancel, and we're standing here with no way to recoup our costs. And we're not a big organization, but we're bigger than most. Can you imagine what this is going to do to your act, typical ACT group, your typical Tea Party group? This is the new MO. And you know what's really sad, guys? Muslim Brotherhood in their 1991 memorandum that was discovered in 2004, the Muslim Brotherhood Explanatory Memorandum said, we will get Americans to destroy their own country by their own hand. Well, here you go. Here's how they're doing it. Americans who own hotels canceling an event for conservatives and Christians speaking the truth about the Marxists and the Muslims and who is censoring us and complying to Sharia, the Americans. The Americans are willingly complying to Sharia without a revolution. They're, they're, they're willingly complying, self-censoring, giving over to the Marxists and Muslims. Kiss it goodbye, America. Kiss it goodbye. You might as well go ahead and get your hijab, get ready to, uh, to give up, become a slave, because this is the way it's going to go. You we have too many Americans that don't understand what this is really all about. Next, they're coming after Hagman and Hagman. They already are. They're trying to censor you off platforms and not work with you right on platforms. Then it's going to be hate crime laws, what we can and cannot say on radio, as already in Canada. And then it's going to be law Brandon, for your religion. There you go. You were breaking up a little bit. You, you got it now? Yeah, we can hear you now. Just a little bit of what you said. 
then it's going to be blasphemy laws for anybody to speak ill about any minority religion, which, by the way, they're already working on with Muslim groups, with the Republicans and the Democrats together working on that in Congress with Muslim groups, penalizing anyone that speaks ill of a minority religion. This is how it starts. They stop you from holding a Christian events, conference for conservatives or Christians, then they go after the airwaves, the social media platforms, then they start to prosecute you for hate crimes, hate speech. This is where it's going. And defamation. What you first do is defamation. Vilify, you vilify, you marginalize, you criminalize, and then you normalize. And the new norm is Sharia and compliance with Sharia. That's the new norm in America. Welcome to America. And subjugation to the Marxist mindset of these oh-so-tolerant, don't-bully-me morons. You they know, had Brandon. signs out there last night. They had signs out there last night saying, say no to Nazis. Uh, excuse me, the Nazis are the Muslim Brotherhood. The Muslim Brotherhood and Mufti of Palestine, al-Husseini, to recruit 30,000 Bosnian Muslims to wear the Nazi uniform. Those are the fascists, Adolf Hitler's Nazi regime, working with Muslim Brotherhood. That's CARE, that's Hamas, that's Muslim Student Association, that's Islamic Society of North America. You stupid Americans carrying the water for these Muslim neo-Islamic Nazis, and you're too stupid to know we're not the fascists. You stupid Americans are carrying the water for the Islamo-Nazis. You stupid, stupid Americans. And when they start beheading you guys, don't you cry to us to come to your aid, because then it's going to be too late. We're going to tell you you're getting what you deserve. We tried to help you. You became the useful idiot for the neo-Islamic neo, uh, Nazis. And when it's too late, don't ask us, when you finally wake up and realize you've been their useful idiots to do anything for you, because it'll be too late. And people people ask me why I get so cranky, Brandon. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know what? At least, at least, no, you're cranky all the time. And the good, good, the positive side of it is at least you're consistent. Well, I'm going to tell you something, Brandon. To the to the extent possible. We have your back. I, look, I want to fight back. We're not going to take this lying down. We are not going to be bullied into silence, into submission. We, we, we're not going to be played, we're not going to be, be uh, subjected to their rules. There, there, there are no rules except the Alinsky rules, who some claim to be uh, antiquated. Well, get your head out of your ass to, to those people. Uh, and I'm sorry for being crass. No, I'm not sorry. We are in the struggle of our lifetime. This is an epic battle. And if people don't understand it, they will when their heads are on the chopping block or at the end of a a, a, a machete. And you're and you're right, Brandon. What can we do? I mean, well, your next event. Let's flood. Let, let's flood a bunch of white hats to your next event, and stand down these bullies. Well, what, thank how you can for we help that. you? Thank you. Well, thank you for that. It, what's so interesting is I've been doing these conferences for 25 years. This February, this past February, 25 years. We started in Minneapolis-St. Paul in February of 93. We announced that these were our last free conferences to ever hold because of the high cost of the hotel ballroom and the security that they require that we have due to the threat. You can't hold free events anymore. You're going to lose money. No, no two ways about it. You can't even break even. So we announced we were going to do five more cities, go back to some of the cities we started in, which include Milwaukee, Des Moines, Iowa, Minneapolis, and be done. And then from then on, everything we do will be ticketed so we know who's in the room and we have the funds for the necessary security. We couldn't even hold the last five cities we wanted to. 
So it's interesting. We're driving home in our motor coach. We've done this for 25 years. Uh, we've worn it one motor coach. We're on the second one now. Uh, it will go back to the dealer on Monday. It will be sold. We are done doing conferences for free. Uh, and the only event we will do now will be one in person every year, our national event. And that's ticketed, and that's because we can then afford to have the security. So our next one is in the Ozarks, the last weekend of April, on a resort with a gate, a front, a guard at the front gate, and that's our only event we'll be doing from now on. Isn't it sad that after years of doing free events with offering only, we can't even do that because of the hotels that, A, won't rent us the facilities, B, if they do, they pull out, and C, we have to hire so many expensive cops at $100 an hour by the time you add four or five cops at $100 an hour for four or five hours. Who could afford that on top of the $3,000 for the hotel ballroom and then all the drop uh, 40,000 full-color magazine? It, this is impossible. But they knew what we're doing, we're doing, they were doing, and they've done it. But we're not giving up. We'll do our, our yearly conference. It will be ticketed, though. But other than that, it's radio and TV and our safe, secure studios, uh, and we will continue live streaming and be live on radio and get out the truth that way. They are not going to shut us up. We may have to zig and zag in order to get this done and to make sure that our families and speakers and uh, attendees are safe. But we're not going away. This will, this will boomerang on them, and Americans will see this is what happens when the Islamo-Nazis and the Marxists are in control. Kiss your freedom of religion and freedom of thought and freedom of simply goodbye. This is going to boomerang on them. You just watch. You know, hey, uh, Kyle from Right Wing Watch, why don't you cover this story, the story of the bullying and the intimidation tactics and the threats of violence, as opposed to the puff pieces that you write. You cover this story. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Kyle from Right Wing Watch or anyone at Right Wing Watch they don't have the guts in my view or the intellectual honesty but here's a guy, Brennan House his website check the program description isn't it sad that we are at this point in American history when we had bloodshed on, on our soil and foreign soils for the freedom to speak. See, it's not just about the Second Amendment. It's not just, it, it's about the removing your Second Amendment rights because they want wow. your first. Wow. Wow. That's quite the statement. I mean, wow. Think about that. It isn't about the Second Amendment now, is it? Now it's about our First Amendment, which includes the right to freedom of speech and freedom of religion. See, it's not just the Second Amendment. You, yeah, wow. I hope the audience just realizes what you said. Well, Brennan, I mean, you're too kind, but, but, but you're in the trenches. You're, you're, you're the one that's fighting the fight in this case. Um, and, and I, I look, I, I really don't want to see, I understand that, that you know, I understand the, 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 the hard reality of this. You've got the fascist bullies out there who cry victim, who in fact are the perpetrators of the bullying and the violence. And you are the recipients. And, and the people like yourself have to suffer economic damage, the emotional damage. And folks, let me explain to you. You've got, the majority of people out there listening to this don't have any idea when you're talking a conference or talking an event and you've got this stuff happening in the background and it's a constant thing. 
thing. They go after your sponsors. They hit you economically. They hit you in every which way. And you've got Christian conservatives who either are silent or or they side with the wrong side. The, the, oh yeah, the, we got we got quote Christians now, Christians now calling and complaining to some of our outlets, media outlets that we're divisive. And other things. And these are the, quote, Christians. Let me tell you something. Even the, quote, Christians now are becoming talking, uh, useful idiots for the neo-Marxists. By the way, maybe we can do a show in the future on a group like the Gospel Coalition. Let me tell you, the Gospel Coalition, in my opinion and from my research, and I document it in my latest TV shows, two TV shows now posted, if I may, at WVWTV.com. Two TV shows, one hour each proving that groups like the Gospel Coalition are nothing but a neo-Marxist front in America. And Trevor Loudon, who I know you've had on, said the same thing to me the other night. He said, Brandon, that's a neo-Marxist front group in America. So you've got groups running around as the Gospel Coalition, yet their own founders admit they were influenced by the Frankfurt School, the neo-Marxist Frankfurt School. They admit, they admit and endorse books calling for the merging of social justice and Christianity through the philosophy of third way. So, you know what? It's not just absolutely right. Well, uh, Brandon, you're breaking up there a little bit, but let me tell you something, okay? In, instead of silencing your message, the collective message from from you and Chris Kabatz and John Guandalo, we are going to amplify that message. They push back at you. We are going to push back at them twice, three, four times as hard. We're going to amplify your voice. We're going to amplify your message because no group, no individual, no, no none of these uh, radical Islamic groups or Islamic groups, period, or, or these other groups are going to silence you. I will not let that happen. I will give my life for your voice. And I, and I, I would urge everyone out there to stand up, stand with Brandon House on this. Because, it, look, righteous indignation without action is useless. Complaining behind a microphone is useless. We are now going to act, and uh, and I'm going to tell you, this is not a reaction. This is a response. The response Absolutely. will be twofold. So I, I, we 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 want to we want to amplify your message and each the message of each one of you. I don't know what we've got to do if we've got to go six hours uh, into this or another program, but we're going to get together, we're going to back you, and I would, would, would urge every well, person what, listening to this. And I appreciate that, and I so appreciate that. Can you hear me okay? I can, yes. Yes, we can. I'm pulling over. I'm pulling over because I'm locked into a good cell then. I, I want to make sure your audience understands what I was saying when I was breaking up. It's not just the Marxists and Muslims. Uh, I don't know if you could heard me say, we have this group out there called the Gospel Coalition. That is, we can document, and I documented in my two one-hour TV shows from the last two weeks at WVWTV.com. WVWTV.com. The Gospel Coalition. That sounds so wonderful. How can you be opposed to them? Well, we document that one of their founders is a neo-Marxist. You guys know Trevor Loudon, right? Oh, of course. Yeah. Well, I talked to him the other night about the Gospel Coalition, and as soon as I did, he said, Oh, Brandon, that's a neo-Marxist front group in America. I said, Thank you. You'll get it. Okay. We're not just coming against having the Mar uh, the uh, Muslims and Marxists come against us. We now have the quote Christians and pastors who are becoming the useful idiots for cultural Marxism. Oh, and guess what? We start researching their book, like that of Tim Keller. Tim Keller, who wrote 
uh, generous justice, might as well have been called social justice, who calls for redistribution of wealth, but wants to call it reweaving a community. He admitted in one of his books he was influenced by the Marxist Frankfurt School. And what he has done is merge Christianity with Marxism. And he's endorsed a book called The Third Way that's all of, by Jim Belcher that's all about merging social justice, the emergent church, liberal theology, and neo-Marxism with Christianity for the third way. It's called Deep Church, and the subtitle is about a third way. Tim Keller endorsed it. He's a famous pastor out of New York planting thousands of churches. He endorsed the book. He is the founder of the Gospel Coalition that admits he's influenced by the Marxist Frankfurt School when he was in college. That's just the first of many groups. I want your audience to understand some of the most dangerous people in America today are so-called, quote, Christians and pastors. But in my opinion, they're not sheep. They're goats. They're not pastors. They're hirelings. Jesus himself in Matthew 24 warned about these kind of people. So you guys need, uh, you guys need to help us get out the word that not only are the Marxists and Muslims, the secular so-called Marxists coming against us with the Muslims, the now, quote, pastors who have organizations like Together for the Gospel or the Gospel Coalition, who are teaching white privilege, pastor like Matt Chandler out of Texas, are regurgitating the uh, Marxist talking point. Matt Chandler out of Texas is working with the Gospel Coalition. He's head of Acts 29. You know what they do? Plant churches all over America. All of these groups are planting these social justice, Solalisky churches. They're not churches. The Marxists have figured out how to infiltrate and use religion to do it. And most people don't see it and they don't get it. And these are very popular people. So I want to make sure people understand. We're not only fighting the Marxists and the Muslims. We're fighting so-called Christians that are really Marxist front groups hiding under, quote, Christian organizations. And if you doubt me, have Trevor Loudon on. He'll explain it to you. Man, and, and see, the, the reason I focus often on that is because that is more insidious than the enemy you know, you expect, it you is. can see. It, it's these people who, um, I, I saw, I, I saw this, uh, uh, this obscure blog the other day, self-professed Christian, uh, talking about, uh, or writing about, uh, um, oh, Kent Hovind, uh, and, and some attorney, uh, some obscure attorney, equally obscure attorney, uh, uh saying that Kent Hovind is, is a criminal. And of course, the author of the blog justifying the, uh, attacks against Hovind, for example, in this one instance, uh, and amplifying, uh, the, uh, the, uh, attorney's message. It's the same with, uh, same with Planned Parenthood, the Center for Medical Progress, instead of condemning the, the, uh, Butchering of babies of Planned Parenthood, the, the, uh, the this particular blogger uh, uplifted the uh, Planned Parenthood over the tactics of the Center for Mer- uh, Medical Progress because it's not godlike to to uh, go undercover. It's not godlike to 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 do it in the manner in which they did it. You know, it, it's people like this. So moving directly to what you're experiencing, it's it's that enemy from within that is eroding much of what we are doing and and you've got people who are being brainwashed by these tactics Brandon, look, we are behind you 100%. We will amplify your message. And I do want to call international attention to this. We are in America. This is not 1943 Nazi Germany, although it does feel like it apparently, Brandon, to you, it must. It does, and do you know who gave cover to the Nazis? The quote, German Christians. Yeah, exactly. The German Christians. Hey, if you doubt me, you guys ought to get a book called Hitler's Cross. 
Hitler's Got it. Cross. Got it. Yep. Written by Erwin Lutzer, a friend of mine. You guys ought to read that book and look at how the quote German Christians threw in with Adolf Hitler and the and the and the right church that and dissolved their denominations and united under the right bishop handpicked by Adolf Hitler. Got rid of the cross and put in the swasta. Got rid of the Bible and put in man, Mein Kampf. Swore their sons into the service of the SS in their churches. I mean, this is ridiculous. Uh, the German Christians did it in Germany, giving him cover. And the American, quote, American Christians, put that in quotes, the American Christians that are throwing in with this social justice, common good, human flourishing, reweaving a community, white privilege, all of these communist talking points are doing the same thing. You, you're right, Mr. Hagman. It is the repeat of the 1930s, and it smells just like it. And watch, watch. As, as the Christians and the Jews end up hanging together once again with the persecution coming against us by the same coalitions that we saw, saw in Germany. Because, again, it was, the Mar it was the Muslims working with Nazi in Germany. It was the Muslim Brotherhood that got over 30,000 Bosnian Muslims to wear the Nazi uniform with a crescent, moon, and sword. So look again. Who do we see? Muslim Brotherhood working with so-called, quote, Christians in America to bring persecution against Christians and limit our freedom of religion, our freedom of speech, our right to a peaceful assembly. And again, if this becomes the norm, the next stage is not only vilified and marginalized, it's criminalized. That's where we're headed. That is where we're headed. If you think, oh, this doesn't impact me, you know, he just had a conference and this is what he, how he makes his living, we don't care. Well, what if it is how I make my living? Well, how do you make yours? You know, and, and if, and if your living is any way related to free speech and freedom of religion, that's a problem. Or how about your freedom of religion? Raise your kids the way you want. Or how about your freedom of religion or speech to hire who you want in your business and to do what you want to do with your life? So don't simply say, well, this doesn't impact me. I'm not in the conference business. I don't, you know, this is what you get when you book controversial topics. Oh, really? What do you think the next controversial thing is going to be? You're, you're actually standing for the Second Amendment? You're wanting to raise your kids the way you want? You're not wanting your kid indoctrinated into all the transgenderism and all this other garbage? I mean, where are you going to draw the line? So maybe this doesn't impact you. But by the time it does, if you do something now and get it, it'll be too late. Brennan House, worldviewweekend.com. Brennan, let's, uh, let's keep on talking. Uh, when you get back next week, let's talk. I, I think I might be in Washington, D.C. at the beginning of the week, uh, to address this very topic. Uh, but having said that, let's get together. Let's make sure your message is not just maintained or sustained, but amplified. We need to do well, this. Thank we need, you. We need to get it out. We need to work together. And everyone within the sound of my voice, if you're hearing it, sound of our voices, you need worldview. I'm sorry, worldviewweekend.com. You get in touch with Brandon House. You, you, you give him your support and say, I'm with you. And, and let's together, let's make a difference. Let's not allow our voices to be silenced because yours is next. Brandon. Thank you, guys. We, we got thank, guests. Thank you, guys. Holding. All right, brother. Thank, thank you, you, guys. Man, again, you, people wonder why I'm <laughs> agitated. Just a glimpse into the, the future of what we will be and are up against right now. And it's only going to get worse from here. They're only going to find new tactics and new ways to continue to uh, silence events and, and people uh, who they don't like and who have an opposing point of view. Well, let's do this. Let's bring on our next two guests. Uh, this is a highly anticipated uh, segment that's going to be running till the end of the show. We have with us both Bill Miker as well as Craig Solomon Sawyer. Both have been guests on our show previously, and they have teamed up to talk about the huge 
problem of drug trafficking, human organ harvesting, and human trafficking that we see in our society and how these uh, money operations go to finance not only the deep state but so much other crime and corruption in our nation. Uh, let's bring on Bill Miker first. Bill, it's great to have you back on the show. Thank you, Joe. Uh, great to be back and great to be uh, talking with Craig as well. And I'll tell you what, it's so good to have you, Bill. Um, folks, if you haven't heard uh, Bill, Bill's previous appearances, please. Uh, in fact, w- I, we should show this weekend. Let, let's let's put those up front or somehow link to them. Uh, Bill is an incredible uh, investigative investigator, and he's done some incredible work, as has Craig Sawman Sawyer. Uh, but but Bill, thank you for for coming on. And go ahead and let's bring Craig on. And Craig uh, the Sawyer is returning guest as well. Yeah, Not Craig the, the Sawman Sawyer. <laughs> no, I said the Sawyer. Craig yeah. the Sawman Sawyer, vetsforchildrescue.org, is with us as well. Craig, it's great to have you back also. Thanks, thanks, guys. It's a pleasure. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, gentlemen, look, I am riled up beyond belief, okay, because a lot of things are happening between the, the – uh, we live in America and, and we're seeing uh, our rights attacked. The Second Amendment is really an attack against the Second and the First Amendment. You've got a bunch of, of uh, lobotomized liberal fascist morons out there who are marching in lock, lockstep attempting to shut us up, shut us down, to, to say that, you know what, this uh, human trafficking and organ trafficking doesn't exist that that child trafficking and and whatever it doesn't exist and of course project cassandra you know think people think about that so i'm pretty riled up and and uh you know when you when you've got uh and i I know craig you've you've had uh, hit pieces done on you i've had hit pieces done on me uh about the uh calling this stuff fake news and and, and it's just a, uh, 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 yeah, fake news in quotation marks. But I guess, uh, I, I guess that means in some way, shape, or form that we are getting the message out there we're winning because when they have to resort to such tactics, that means that we're making a difference. In fact, both of you gentlemen have and are making a difference. So with that, why don't, Craig, why don't you go ahead and start and then, uh, you and Mr. Micah can work together to really deliver the message which you are here to deliver and that's to really expose what's really going on. And, uh, we'll just, uh, be here as, and we'll interact, uh, accordingly. But, uh, Saman, let's turn it over to you. Absolutely. Well, it's a pleasure to be back on and to, to hang with Bill a little bit and learn from him. Uh, you know, I, I started this from, from, practical necessity, just wanting to alert the American populace to what's going on. So we're shooting a, a big feature film documentary to shake the American public awake to what uh, the mainstream news media refuses to cover and what a lot of other people say uh, isn't a crime that exists out there. But, uh, you know, we've been making arrests and we've got our first uh, actual recovery, uh, uh, which was beautiful story uh, just on Easter Sunday. So um, of a trafficking victim. So there. I think step one for us is just walk the American public through the facts, show them a brutally real documentary that just walks them through what's really happening out there. And, uh, you know, with, with people like Bill out there uh, exposing it, investigating and showing them the facts, uh, you know, together uh, all of the, the white hats, if you will, or the truth tellers can, can, can bring the truth to the American people. And it seems uh, unfortunate that we have to circumvent our own mainstream news media, but with such a, a big and concerted agenda out there to suppress this nature of crime. It's, uh, it, it's just necessary that we, we inform ourselves. So I think, uh, 
once Contraland hits, once our documentary hits, uh, a lot of eyes are going to be opened and then people will listen to, to what's going on, uh, much more readily. I think, uh, you know, I, I would love to work with Bill more closely. I think he could have some tremendous contributions in what we're doing if he had any time or, or, or uh, or, or any extra energy, but uh, anyway, uh, I'm just happy to be here, and that's that's where I'll start. Well, excellent, Craig and uh, Bill. Let's uh, let's start here. Well, one thing we were talking about in the first hour before we got you brought you guys on was how human organ harvesting ties into the the world of of human trafficking and drug trafficking. When you have the drugs and you have uh, live victims being used for uh, you know sexual slave purposes and other uh, criminal purposes. But how does the human organ, organ harvesting tie in? And what kind of money does that bring in compared to uh, some of these other operations that we see? Well, first of all, Craig, I definitely have the time, and, and there's some things offline we, we 100% should talk about because I, I, I'm i dealing with some technology now that is probably superior even to what Palantir has in terms of following the money trails and bringing the connections both politically and, and in the business form to, to identify, uh, who's, who's involved in the human trafficking business. Um, I, I would say just a, a, as an outset, um, and, and it ties into a, a broader, uh, issue that people don't pay attention to. And, and it is this organized crime. Everybody talks about the war on drugs, drugs. Organized crime doesn't exist to sell drugs. Organized crime exists to make money any way they can. They are apex predators who just want to focus on how they can make money in any form of currency, and human beings are a form of currency. And anything that can convert value for them, they don't care about the morality of it, the ethics of it, or, or anything else. And so, yes, we, we now know today, because medical science allows for transplants uh, of, of all kinds, that uh, there's a value. And if I've got money and I need to have a kidney transplant, I will do whatever it takes if I'm so inclined, even if it means going to some uh, broker in India, China, or some other place where life is a bit cheap and people can disappear to uh, select the organ that I need. I know very well firsthand uh, people who need organ transplants. Uh, they they throw up their, uh, a lot of money. I've been actually asked if I could help uh, find uh, organs for uh, for people. Uh, you know, here in Hong Kong, you know, we, we're familiar with uh, the, the backdrop of Chinese prisoners uh, supposedly uh, had been harvested for their organs. Uh, there's, you know, within certain circles here in Asia, an understanding that uh, some individuals who fit a medical profile and blood type all of a sudden find themselves under arrest for, for some trumped-up charge or into the prison system, and there they have control of them to say, oh, they accidentally died or, or whatever, but the organs are harvested and uh, corrupt officials have made a lot of money in providing the the drug, if you will, but in this case, the organ that the client wants. That is the reality of the world. I, I said at the very first time I was on your show, the problem with so many people in the world today is that they see the world as they want it to be, mm-hmm. not as it really is. And I think that's one of the big advantages uh, from Craig's background and my uh, background we were the pointy end of the spear for many years. We have different experiences, but it all culminates in the same thing. How do we make our children uh, safer? How do we make our society better? And and uh, raping children, uh, I didn't have much experience with, with uh, pedophiles in my police service, 
but I did have two instances where I had to investigate um, some horrendous uh, uh, child abuse, uh, pedophilia, and the one thing that I took away from it, and, and again, it's not well articulated, child pornography is, is really a crime of violence. It's not about sexual gratification. If you have the, the, the soul-numbing experience of looking at a two-year-old sodomized, it, what, what the pictures focus on is not the sexual act, it's the face, the, the pain and the terror on these children. It, it, these people, like I said, they are absolute apex predators. They will do whatever it takes to make the money, and the only way to deal with them is a bullet. Yeah, and, and Bill, unfortunately, as you said, people see the world the way that they perceive it or, or wish it to be, and unfortunately, the opposite is true, as uh, there are so many predators out there, and, and really the world, uh, those many people in the world, uh, unfortunately live with the mindset that the only way to get something is to take it. And whether that is, uh, through crime or, or these, uh, uh, sexual attacks or whatnot, uh, that's what many people are motivated by. And it, it's, um, the super predators, as you say, and these people, uh, find ways to, to come together, to work together, and they always seem to find their ways to the highest levels of power. For people who think that these kind of activities are regulated out or, or only outside of, of government or or you know uh where we see the the power is where we see so many of these crimes and trying to relate the two uh, is a hard thing to do at times but then you see things like what we've seen with the uh, Denny Hassert the former uh speaker of the house who who got arrested on pedophilia and so many of these other people who have high level connections these two do go hand in hand. They don't have to, but for whatever reason, the corruption does uh, seem to go to the highest levels of government. But back to the human organ harvesting, how much is a, uh, we were talking about this, and maybe you have better insight on this, a human body, what what can a human body go for, what we'll say, uh, all healthy organs on, on the black market? Isn't it? Not mine. Isn't it pretty high, close to a million dollars? Well, I... I mean, Craig might might be able to to be more precise uh, okay. than I uh, to answer that. I do know that uh, one fellow getting a heart transplant, it's cost. He's going to do it in India. Uh, it's going to cost him for the whole surgery, everything, about a million dollars U.S. The going across into China into Guangzhou uh, with the hospitals, you know, again, I, let's assume it's proper, but but they're paying uh, about one hundred and twenty-five to one hundred and fifty thousand U.S. dollars. Uh, for an organ. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. I mean, when you think about the amount of, of, uh, smuggling human organs versus drugs, you, apparently the organs seem to be worth a lot more. You know, you're talking pound for pound. But all these, uh, you know, from the narco trafficking to the human organ to the human trafficking all seem to stem together out of the same black market world. Uh, Craig, I'm going to ask you this. In, in your experience, from what you've seen, uh, how how does this all tie together? How does how do these black markets uh, operate? Let, let's do this first. How say you were interested in buying an, an organ on the black market, or you were looking for mass quantities of drugs or or human sex slaves? Where do these black markets exist? And we, it's not just you know the dark web on the internet. How do things like this um, stay out of the radar, and how do they operate? Well, multiple ways. A lot of it is on that on the dark net, but a lot of it <clears throat> there are different apps that these guys run on. So. It, um, the the online stuff is a matter of convenience. You know, a lot of these guys want to order the stuff to them. They're, they can have drugs delivered to them. They can have children delivered to them. And so, just as Bill uh, articulated earlier, 
these these criminals are out to make money, and if they can deliver drugs along with a child to a to a client, if you will, hey, there's two birds with one stone. They've made more money with their time, so uh, why wouldn't they? And I we're learning more recently about how some of that works. So um, it, it's different ways on the lower level, this street talk and and back alleys and a lot of that kind of stuff. But really, it's it's very prevalent. The different types of application. Look, they just shut down Backpage. Folks, I tell you, that is no loss to our society. There was nothing good happening on Backpage. And for people that aren't you familiar with it, it Craig. yeah, it's, it's basically like a, like a Craigslist, but uh, the only thing that was being sold on there were, were illegal and harmful uh, things. There's a lot of the prostitution was going on there and, and, uh, you know, uh, pedophiles, you know, child predators and, and just all, all kinds of stuff. So, um, I'm glad to see Backpage go away personally, although uh, I'm, I'm for these applications to make life simple and easier and uh, help us shop and all that. But uh, once one is completely taken over and nothing good has happened there, I, I think it's uh, it's important that it uh, be shut down for the good of society. And, uh, so, But they use a lot of different app- applications like that, and they hop around. Uh, some of these folks use multiple apps and and different programs. So uh, well, it's it's well, a lot of it's done literally online, though. Most of it is. Well, Craig, let me ask you this. I, you just... Uh brought back a memory of something I read earlier this week or last week where in response to a human trafficking bill, Craigslist apparently stopped using their personal, uh, they have a personals section of their website, and they, they cited this human trafficking law, and I, I read this on an internet forum, and some people were, were pretty upset about this. How much of this activity is do you think is used on, on open internet uh, through back channels or comment sections or forums or uh, personal sections on Craigslist versus how much of the activity do we do you think is tr- attempted to be covered up? Well, the initial contact can be overt, and then they'll jump to an alternate. Uh, they can they can they can hang out on platforms where there are more people to choose from, and then when they identify a potential client or uh, whether it's it's the uh, the consumer or the or the supplier. When as soon as they've found contact that they want, they can op, alt, hop to like an alternate um, means of communication. Then they can go to text or a different app. So that's one of the things that we're seeing. Is they they hang out on the big places with a lot of people, and then they then they jump once they've identified what they want. Man. So they they hide their 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 incriminating communication that way. And just so people understand, this exists. Bill Miker, you've You've got to have. I mean, I mean, obviously, you're 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 well aware of this kind of trafficking. Um, expand on this. I, I mean, it's it's almost difficult. Uh, both uh, uh, Bill Miker and and uh, Craig Sawyer. It's almost difficult to really formulate questions to ask because this is such an insanely perverse topic. But. Uh, but Bill Miker, uh, uh, chime in here, please, and, and, and offer your assessment, your uh, experiences and knowledge about uh, about this. Because, again, this is so uh, – sometimes you just don't even know where to even ask or what to ask. What's the right question to ask? Or how do we even direct this conversation? It's so perverse. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an ugly topic, but it's, uh, it's – you know, human beings are imperfect, and this is the ugly side of the imperfection. And the reality is uh, – you know, I'll tie it into to, to broader themes to, to, to make it more understandable. But when you look at uh, 
when you look at, at what money laundering is or, or it isn't, you know, people talk about technology. Technology is not an element of a crime. Technology is simply a medium. It's simply a platform. You know, 100 years ago, if I wanted to commit a fraud, I had to go in front of a town on my horse and, and tell the story if it's a fraud. Today, I can use the Internet. I can get to 100,000, a million people uh, very quickly. What what Craig was just, uh, uh, talking about is, is one of the challenges of, of law enforcement, and, and that is technology crosses all borders, all boundaries. The police are limited in their ability to, to follow the trail in a timely manner. Uh, there's more cooperation on that. But the problem with the issue of, of social media, we have, we have uh, created a mindset within our youth that sexting is, is kind of okay. You look at popular culture, uh, especially in the United States, and, and no less in Canada and other words, where, where we, are, we are sexualizing 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds about the look that they have to have. You look at a lot of the role models, um, you know, that come out of popular culture. Uh, it's easy to pick on the Kardashians and, and them, but but the fact is, they they are creating uh, a false sense with with young girls of what is fashionable, what is what is sexy. When you're 13 or 14. Don't focus on being sexy because you're you're just highlighting to a predator who's scanning your Facebook. Who who are the friends? Everybody thinks it's cool to have. A thousand friends on Facebook. Who do you really know is on the other end of that Facebook? And and so this is all part of the social engineering that the predators take advantage of. Thirty years ago, they had to fly over to Bangkok or get into these small little groups where where they they have their their, their fun with these children. Uh, today, the world is connected in a way that it was never uh, connected before, and there is more and more children out there looking and watching at everything. I'm, I now, as a, as a father of two young daughters, I'm very mindful. And when I go to a public playground area and I see a, I see a man sitting there, especially an older guy, sitting there by himself, I, I'll, ask, I'll ask him, so which one are your kids? And, well, I'm just sitting here enjoying it. I, I, I don't get rude, but, it, but he knows pretty certainly that, hey, F off. You know, I don't want you here looking at my kids uh, if that's what you're getting off on. And, and that's where it starts. I mean, parents have to take some responsibility. Who's watching your kids? And, you know, this is one of the, uh, the basic things. A priest doesn't become a pedophile. A teacher doesn't become a pedophile. A scout leader doesn't become a pedophile. Pedophiles go, where is the targets? Where is the, the target-rich environment? Schools, it's in religion, it's all of these areas. So, you know, we're naive to think that, that we create these predators. They are created uh, to a large extent uh, at birth or, or as they're coming up in life. And, and again, how do you stop this? You're not going to stop it. But you, I, I keep coming back to something very simple. The problem we have uh, in North America, especially, is the bad guys have all the rules and no money. The good guys have all the have all the rules and, and no money. And and you have a, a legal system that's built on a principle that these predators are innocent until proven broke. So it just keeps the whole system working in, in favor of the of the lawyers, and and I said it once on a on a talk show in Canada about what do, how do we deal with this this what seemed like an onslaught of, of predators. I said, look, I think what you need to do is put more farmers and ranchers on the judiciary, and the, the host said, what do you mean by that? I said, well, a rancher knows what to do with a fox in the hen house, farmer knows what to do with a rabid animal, and that's the only way to deal with this. To talk niceties about this is is just fluff, and you're wasting time. 
These are predators. No amount of psychological counseling is going to make, say, a heterosexual male say, look, I'm going to work on you so you like a four-year-old boy. It's not going to happen. In reverse, somebody who's got their sexual preference for a four-year-old boy, it doesn't matter how many psychiatrists or psychologists talk to them, it's not going to change them to all of a sudden like a 35-year-old woman. Very good point, Bill. And I want to ask you this, and then we'll toss it to Craig. How much of this activity do you believe happens because we see it as allowed in the circles of the Hollywood elite, the political elite, the business elite? How much of this is enabled by some of these same people who are in these positions of powers, same proclivities for these, whether it's pedophilia or drugs or to be involved in this type of world? Do you think it's more acceptable because we see it in the highest circles in our country? Well, definitely I do. I think popular culture has unfortunately shaped young formative minds to things that were 50 years ago were considered immodest and sort of uncouth is today now popularized. And you look at what comes out of Hollywood. Almost every sitcom makes fun of the father figure. He's the dummy in the crowd. You've got certain subliminal messaging that is constantly going through. And what have we seen over the last 12 months? It's not any secret that you sleep to the top, whether it be politics or in Hollywood. But again, you're sexualizing everything. And you look at these young kids who were on the Disney Channel. They were little six, seven-year-olds, Disney Channel. To a large degree, a lot of them have not been successful adults. And you see how they've been sexualized as they get older to appeal more to a changing demographic in a market that they want to appeal to. So this is bombarded on our youth every single day. And at 30, 40, 50, we have enough experience to say, hey, I can filter it out. But these young people do not have the filters and they haven't developed it. And it's basically, as we know in the broader sense, our education system hasn't done a good job of teaching people how to think, critical thinking as we discussed before. And so the fad, oh, he's doing it, that has become our culture today. And I don't care what anybody says. When you have the President of the United States lie to everybody on TV about his sexual activities, that's a huge message. What price did he pay for talking to 350 million people and telling a lie? Craig, your thoughts on this. Do you think that these behaviors are more, I don't want to say tolerated, are more frequent in our society because they are also the same behavior shared by the power elites and the heads of our society? I think culturally it's amplified. It's condoned and made worse through its acceptance. But really it started for the United States. The real genesis and the ignition point was Alfred Kinsey back in the 1950s and his active politicking to normalize pedophilia and falsify his so-called scientific studies to make it seem like pedophilia was normal and that children were sexual from birth. So it was sick and twisted science. His studies were falsified. So 
we've now raised three generations of pedophiles since then, so it's it's really gotten worse. We've we've multiplied it, amplified it. Sadly, so many of these victims of pedophilia raise their children in harm's way rather than shelter them from what they've been put through. They tend to put their children through the same or worse that they were raised with. So it's it's really been a disappointing observation for me to see that. So that's really where it's 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 come from. It's kind of a cascading. A perpetuation from from Alfred Kinsey in the 1950s. So it does not help that that the, that the perverts and and big Hollywood are condoning it, making it look normal. And it doesn't help that uh, so many of our politicians are, are corrupt and and perverts and and getting caught with every which kind of scandal. And that this the news media's you know pushing down our throats. It's 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 shown 24/7. It's just uh, we're overwhelmed with it, and it's. Uh, it's just um, we've got sensory overload with it, and uh, it's not normal. It never will be normal, but they they sure are trying. So uh, I think it it started really from Kinsey, and we've got the the problem. And then I think uh, you've got other people that subscribe to it, trying to make it normal and seem like it fits in, so that they can feel normal and part of the the society. But really, uh, they're on the lunatic fringe of the, what's uh, sick and harmful behavior. So uh, we can't allow it to be normalized because there's so much harm from it. You know, I, I've yeah. said before many times that, you know, children cannot advocate for themselves. They do not have the intellectual tools yet. Their outer cortex and frontal lobe are not fully developed uh, until more like 23. Some are even uh, saying 25 years old now. So certainly a small child cannot advocate for themselves and articulate a, a, a legal defense uh, against an adult predator that wants to to abuse them, and uh, they just don't quite know what to do, and they spend the rest of their lives shattered and trying to to reconcile and and understand what happened and why, and was it their fault for the, this happening, and and does that mean they're they're homosexual or or whatever? Uh, there are just so many uh, forms of trauma that they spend the rest of their lives fighting through and going through counseling and. And therapy, and it's just, it's just, it's, it's sad, but it's, it's really, it's evil. The, the type of, of harm done to the kids is evil from it. So that's, it's just plain and clear that that is not just another sexual preference because the child, uh, does not have an adequate say so. So it can never be normalized. We as a society can never allow that. Well, Craig, uh, I want to ask you this next because, uh, what you just said with, with Hollywood and, uh, the normalization of pedophilia we've seen this disturbing trend and i just read about this the other day with the rise of technology through things like sex dolls and uh the creation of of cgi video being able to make it appear as though in these videos that it is children participating in pornography and also sex dolls made to look like young children how damaging is this to uh make this to normalize this one and does this lead to uh, people acting out on those sexual fantasies in the real world who engage in these uh, maybe behind closed doors or in a way that's, uh, you know, that is being promoted now, like these sex dolls or this manipulated pedophilia? Uh, by my observations, I would say the effects would be catastrophic. You know, one of the pedophiles that we arrested in Connecticut, I asked him outright, you know, where did this start for you? Where did this whole thing of you wanting to have sex with children come from? And for him, I felt like he was being honest at that moment, at least. He said, you know, a, a friend of mine sent me some some porn, 
uh, a link to some porn. And he said it was that type of, of porn. And that it really all started for me there. I started reviewing it and then just eventually became, you know, uh, fixated on it and attracted to it. So I, I told that guy, I said, your friend certainly didn't do you any favors, did he? And you didn't do yourself any favors by following through with something that was, that was so harmful. And so I guess, you know, maybe the key is just to never dabble with these things. But, you know, we're humans and a lot of people out there, they start off, you know, this is insidious. It's not all of a sudden you snap your fingers and you're a pedophile. A lot of these people are looking at all kinds of porn. Maybe they start off with, with things that might be somewhat normal, but the, the dopamine doesn't come with a, with the normal views, uh, over time. And then they want something that's going to give them a little bit of a shock and a spike. And they go to something a little bit more perverse, more depraved. And the next thing you know, they keep on until they're all the way down the road into stuff that is completely filthy, sick and harmful. And there's nothing attractive about it to a healthy person whatsoever, but it's a creeping process. And that's, that's what I've learned is, is the, the situation is it's, uh, it sets in slowly. But with repeated exposure, the mind loses its footing and falls into what is what is essentially evil in the end. Bill, what do you? you know, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say on, on Craig's theme, he's absolutely right, and we can we can see it in, in other areas. You know, how and why did did Bill Bratton and Julian and Rudy Giuliani start cleaning up crime in New York by not letting the little things slide by? This is all incremental, and and. You know, as Craig accurately noted, you know, it's like most guys, they don't become a heroin addict the first time they decide to, decide to use drugs. It's, it's, there's gateway drugs typically and they, they start escalating to get the, the, the better hit, the longer hit or whatever they want. And I think the sexual gratification, again, is a, it, we're all, we're all normal human beings. That's a very strong uh, drive. And, and like all drives, you've got to control it. And, uh, I'm married, uh, you know, I can appreciate a, an attractive woman, but, you know, it doesn't mean I'm going to go and have sex with her because uh, I'm married. I've got commitment and values there. And, and the fact is we can make choices. Some people just have low impulse control, I suppose, and, and, and they continue on. But in terms of how it gradually gets worse, you know, when I was uh, doing my uniform service, I, I, I got sent to a call where somebody was going through a park and they saw a dog uh, dressed in a, uh, in a dress uh, was killed, was strangled and hanging uh, on, a, on a tree. So we, we dealt with that. We identified uh, who the fellow was. But very clearly, after he, he, he rapes a, a dog dressed in a, in a dress, the next step for him is going to be uh, raping and killing uh, individuals. You know, you, you, there's well-documented progressions of behavioral uh, elements. And, and again, sex is such a, a powerful uh, a motivator. Sex is also a great equalizer. Whether I'm a Republican or Democrat or conservative, liberal, um, if we share a commonality because we enjoy the same sort of kink, that trumps all other considerations, whether it be economic or, or political, and that is the glue that binds us. And that is also the glue that allows me, if I'm, if I'm a predator, maybe that's what the Awans, for example, have over a lot of these Democratic, you know, you, you've got all these computers. Who knows what they saw or found in there? Thank but, you. But that is... That is very powerful uh, leverage to to uh, force somebody to do what you want to do. I mean, the the it's shocking uh, how there's been so little response to you know basic common sense as to what are people hiding and and why 
why are all those servers uh, and, and the people who own them not making complaints to the police? What are they hiding? And, and again, there's nothing magical about this. This is just human nature at its best and at its worst and how people take advantage. And, you know, coming into the, to the, to the child trafficking, I'll, I'll throw a little, you know, a little grenade out here. But, you know, there's a ferocious uh, debate right now in the United States about your Second Amendment and, and the right to bear arms. Uh, what I would say is most of these uh, uh, women and children uh, and boys uh, involved in, in sex trafficking, they're not in the backseat of a car. A lot of them are in hotels. So maybe we should shut down all hotels, uh, you know, in the same way you want to shut down gun ownership. You know, people use the, the hotel rooms um, for for their, their parties, for their, their sexual pleasures, oftentimes, uh, again, dealing with the pedophiles. Uh, you know, why, why are hotels owners and corporations getting a free pass? You go into, to, to bars where you know underage kids are, are, are being pimped out. Um, why, why with the revenue coming in there from the beer sales, why is, why isn't Coors and, and Bush and all of the rest of them, uh, you know, being told to, to stop selling your beer into establishments that allow predatory behavior to take place? If that started happening, you, you would see corporate America uh, react very quickly. And, and on this point, just again, making the same point, people need to start thinking and connecting dots. You know, we don't hear much talk about out of Charlottesville anymore, you know, after what happened there. But, but I was always curious why that, uh, that, I think his name, Ken Frazier, the, the head of, uh, Merck, why he, why he pulled, said, hey, I, I'm not on your council anymore. I, I do not like you, Donald Trump. And, and then, you know, the question that, that come, I was wondering about that, why, why, why did he react the way he did? And then you realize, you know, America's dealing with, uh, beyond uh, sexual deviancy addiction, it's, it's dealing with drug addiction, the opiates. You know, pretty much Trump always talked about pulling troops out of Afghanistan and other places. Most of uh, the, the opiate epidemic in the United States today uh, is a lot of it's coming from pharmaceutical uh, drugs. Almost every, and Craig will probably know this better than me, but I have my own uh, sources, uh, that almost every military base in Afghanistan is within 20 miles of, of an opium field that is feeding into big pharma for their, for their legitimate production. So I can understand why maybe Ken Fraser, uh, was not very favorable about Donald Trump, uh, and used Charlottesville as the excuse to hopefully get him tossed or, or diminished so big pharma can keep doing what they do best, which is to make money. Everything is about money. Sexual uh, predators uh, or those who, who feed into it, they do it because that's their kink. But those involved in the trafficking of children, the trafficking of adults, the organ harvesting, it is all about the money. And the only difference between a Wall Street predator and 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 a street predator is, is a bow tie. Yeah, that's very true. And uh, we only have about uh, five, six minutes left before our top-of-the-hour break. And we got a lot of questions and, and uh, areas to cover as far as money, money laundering, banks' involvement. And I'd like to save that for the next hour. Uh, just to, to kind of finish up what we were talking about, Craig, I want to ask you this. We've seen this huge uh, explosion of ability to put out this, you know, child pornography through these deceitful means, as we said, technology, uh, manipulating videos, and, and also these sex dolls. What other ways are we going to see the attempted normalization of pedophilia here in the next year, two years, uh, looking ahead? Well, <clears throat> I don't know specifically what they may do. Uh, I'm, 
more focused on what is happening right now, and, and we're looking to alert the American populace to that. Uh, we're, we're seeing some things that seem to be building, uh, and we're building case on right now. But, uh, man, I, I wouldn't want to speculate on, on where they're going with it. I mean, as technology goes, they're, they're, they're going to follow it. There's a lot of really powerful CGI technology that one of my, uh, team members is on the development side for, and it's, uh, it's, it's actually a fantastic tool if used for good like anything else. I mean, there's a lot of firefighting, uh, training. There's, uh, police and military tactical training. There's all kinds of, uh, training that, uh, that cause people to be, um, subjected to the stress and inoculated to that, uh, explosive ordnance disposal training and things like that. It'd be fantastic for that. But obviously, the sex trade's going to be hot all over this as well. And so whatever forms of perversion you can imagine, they'll, they'll incorporate into that so that the people can experience it that way. Um, now, while there may not be actual humans involved in this, in that, uh, I'm sorry, not CGI, but virtual reality where you put on the helmet. That's what I was, I was thinking. So the VR scenario, while it may not involve real people, but it's going to tune up the minds, uh, of these predators and these these perverts, if you will, and they're going to be craving that, and eventually they're going to want the real thing. And so all that it's doing is just preparing a sick mind to go out and cause harm. So it's uh, it, it won't be good. It will not be good. Very well said. And I want I want our audience to know that we have two consummate professionals experienced in investigations, military and uh, uh, civil and criminal investigations, both. The overlap between the the perversion of our society and the moral standards, the attack on our morality, and and what this this rather despicable, horrific topic, I mean, this the overlap is there. Uh, so, I, just so everyone understands, we we pull back the wider, or we pull back the the lens to get a wider picture. You you see the push toward perversity overall. You you see the uh, tra- uh the sexual child trafficking. You see the uh, illegals coming into this country. All of this has various overlaps. But I, the, the two individuals that we're talking with, Craig Sawman Sawyer and Bill Miker, both have their own individual experiences and their bona fides are, are stellar. So these are two individuals who know what they're talking about. Not that they need our validation, but at least you know, the listener and viewer, that this is not some crank. This is not some, this is the, the, the truth. So, Joe, I just wanted to establish that and, uh, uh, go ahead as we approach the top of the hour here, because this is some pretty heavy stuff, you know, um, but yeah. I, I want to make sure that, you know, for, for example, I mean, Bill Miker, uh, n- not to waste, you know, n- n- but, but he has 30 years of experience in risk and investigations and he's responsible for one of the biggest busts and, uh, financial busts and, and, and on the planet. And Craig Simon Sawyer, military SEAL operative, uh, so the, you know, the whole thing. So this is not some, uh, easily, uh, uh, debunked conspiracy theory. This is reality. So I just want to, to to make that, and we're talking with two real people who are real investigators. Well, let's just take the last few minutes of this hour. We got about two minutes left. Craig, uh, why don't you update us on on some of what Vets for Child Rescue is, has been working on? I know you, you mentioned the movie. Um, any new yeah. information on when that's coming out and uh, how that's going? 
Well, I'm cracking the whip for September. There are, there are ongoing operations that we're filming. We're, we're, um, international now. Uh, we, we got a phone call on Easter Sunday for a, a child, child trafficking victim extraction recovery, uh, which we, we did with beautiful, uh, reunion and, and story. We're blessed and thankful to be a part of that. It was just really emotionally overwhelming for us. So that's, that just couldn't be in a better, a better, <laughs> weekend and uh so we're tracking on things with that but uh there's multiple things going on there's a there's a school uh curriculum to educate skilled school children mainly junior high and high school on how predators stalk them electronically how that whole game's played to uh, harden them to it and uh and then uh training federal and local law enforcement investigators and even highly vetted civilian investigators on uh, our proven template of operations our sting operations that are allowing us to get so many arrest on uh, child predators well that's awesome and Bill just in the last minute we have left anything that you have uh, upcoming that you want to promote anything you're working on that you want people uh, to focus their attention on I think this this, this is the message I mean it, it's this is our children for God's sakes um, you know I I I with a, a partner uh, one of my business uh, Adam Clark he's in Thailand Chiang Rai uh, he, he has a a mixed martial arts, uh, jiu-jitsu, and, and so he actually trains a number of retired U.S. military personnel who actually go in and do the physical recoveries of some of these people. Uh, they'll use covert means to to get inside. They see the victim, and and sometimes they have to know how to fight because trying to get the uh, uh, some of these women out of bondage uh, it isn't easy. So we're very much involved. I, I've just gotten very involved with uh, with a group called Envisage. Um, and, and they're using uh, artificial intelligence. They're, they're tracking. Mostly we're looking, focused on about 70 countries. A lot of it's emerging frontier markets where, again, everything from, from uh, sexual slavery, but as well as uh, people being forced into servitude and bondage, the shrimp you're eating in your supermarket, you know really where it's coming from. And so we are tracking uh, the money trails, the political trails, the economic trails, and, and a very, very comprehensive uh, uh, data analytics that, that is really modeled on how we would do link analysis. And, and again, I would hold corporations accountable. You want to have uh, shrimp in your, your, your supermarket? Here, pay the price for not uh, uh, doing the provenance on it. You want to have uh, your hotels being used for these sexual uh, parties of young, uh, young children? Hey, be prepared to uh, for the next shareholders meeting slap the lawsuit. Here's, here's the evidence in the paper trail of it. Bill, that's that's what I'm getting quite involved in. That's why the, the timing for this is very serendipitous. We're right up against the break. We're talking with Bill Miker and Craig the Sawman Sawyer. We'll be right back after this. Don't go anywhere. Back to this edition of the Hagman Report, we are joined by two very special guests, Craig the Sawman Sawyer, Vets for Child Rescue, Vets the Number Four Child Rescue, coming out with Contra Land, the uh, documentary behind the scenes with the uh, legendary SEAL, Navy SEAL, uh, Dev GRU operator, Craig Sawman Sawyer, in the fight against child trafficking. And of course, uh, we have as well, uh, Bill Miker. Just an incredible investigator with uh, the uh, RCMP with Canada. Uh, he's the uh, 
you know, from 20, uh, 2007 to 2013, he's been the chairman and executive director of Hong Kong Listed China Investment Fund. He's sat, he's sat on the boards of many different organizations. Uh, he's the founder and principal of the uh, Micro Corporation. And he has the experience, the combined experience of both of these men uh, are beyond anything that I could describe. The resume is just, their, their resume is just uh, off the charts. But we're talking about a very sensitive issue. And, and that's the, the the overlap and ultimately the 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 traffic the trafficking of organs and 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 people people it, it could be your mom it could be your dad it could be someone it, 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 your child people child children it's as detestable as the subject is it must be addressed and no one hardly anyone is addressing any of them and it was interesting what Bill Micker said too uh, with reference to well, you know, just postulating it, perhaps w- w- what's going on here with with the Awan uh, infiltration into the uh, uh, congressional Democrats on the on the House, and so all of this, and, and look at what we've seen over the past uh, number of years with respect to the uh, the uh, um, Anthony Weiner laptop finds and all of the data and stuff. So all of this does fit together. Then you've got the. Uh, trafficking of humans via illegal immigration and of course how that closely relates to the narco trafficking so all of this again looking at this with a wider scope before we get back to our guests in this very important point you know how do you i'm going to ask you how do you sleep at night uh and i'm asking our audience this uh, i i'll tell you what i sleep very well and the reason being i own a casper mattress Casper is a sleep brand that makes expertly designed products to help you get your best rest one night at a time. I don't know what I personally would do without my Casper mattress, except to say have a poor night's sleep. But Casper, it makes the world a difference with sleep. Casper products, from well, from their mattresses to, to the accessories, they are cleverly designed to mimic human curves. The mattresses are providing supportive comfort for all kinds of bodies. You know, you spend one-third of your life sleeping, so you should be comfortable. The experts at Casper work tirelessly to make a quality sleep surface that cradles your natural shape, your natural geometry in all of the right places. Uh, The original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with just the right right amounts of both sink and bounce. It's breathable. They've got a breathable design. Helps you sleep cool. Regulates your body temperature throughout the day. They've got over 20,000 reviews and an average 4.8 stars across Casper, Amazon, and Google. Casper is becoming the Internet's favorite mattress. It's affordable because Casper cuts out the middleman, sells directly to you, hassle-free returns if you're not completely satisfied. Well, what am I, what do I mean by that? Well, you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night 100 100 risk-free sleep-on-it trial. Again, hassle-free returns if you're not completely satisfied. It's delivered right to your door in a small size box that leaving would leave you ask, how did they do that? And I've got to tell you, when we got our mat- mattress here at the Hagman House, oh, uh, the king-size mattress that the uh, uh, was delivered to us, the the delivery person said, well, what's in there, man? It's, you know, wow. And I said, a mattress. And he said, no. No, it can't be. But yes, and we had a great time unboxing it, watching it 
watching it go to its its uh, mattress form. It's just unbelievable. And I'll tell you what, we have rave reviews from our house guests who love it. And Lady the Studio Dog, she loves it. Four paws up every single night. And I mean that literally, four paws in the air. And i got to tell you, she snores. By the way, Casper, they've got their own brand of pet beds, dog beds. Oh, you know, spoil your pet. you got to love it. Uh, folks, get $50 toward select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash Hagman and using our promo code Hagman at checkout. Now, terms and conditions apply. Again, get $50 off. Get $50 toward select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash Hagman. And remember, Hagman is two N's, H-A-G-M-A-N-N. That's casper.com slash Hagman. And using Hagman at checkout, terms and conditions apply. But let me explain, or let me tell you this. You will never, in my view, have a better sleep and a better rest than on a Casper mattress. And check out their entire website. All of their other products fantastic. And we thank them for being a, a supporter, a sponsor of ours. It's fantastic. Uh, uh, and again, we, we just had a, a house guest not too long ago, two nights, and gentleman said, you know what? I've never, ever experienced that kind of comfort in a mattress. So there you have it. Spoken uh, and, and, hey, got, got my seal of approval as well as Lady of the Studio Dog. Now, um Sharing their gracious, graciously sharing their gift of time, Bill Miker and Craig the Sawman Sawyer talking about the, my goodness, the, the despicable crime or the despicable activity of human and organ and human sex trafficking all together. Mr. Sawman, the Sawman, uh, let's start back with you again here. We are seeing a, a very profitable, unfortunately, a profitable uh, kind of operation here. How I've been wanting to ask you this too when I when I knew you were coming on, and feel free not to answer this or if you handle this question however you want to. Planned Parenthood. We saw the the horrendous videos and the discussions over lunch about the sale of parts of baby parts as if they were just car parts. Uh, um, what, what are we looking at here at that level? Or you're looking at a you're, yeah. well, Doug. You're looking at a at a sociopathic mind that it's this part of the godless left, if you will, or the 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 criminal element of our society. They they have no compassion for others. They don't have any hesitation to hook themselves up and make money if they can they can do it with ripping infants out of women's wombs and and selling them and selling the parts they've got no problem with that they they figure that must be a good business plan uh, we're seeing the same thing with children uh networked sold and kept uh all over the country you know children can be sold over and over and over again repeatedly and and that's that makes a lot of money for these criminals you know they're, they're heartless to do this i mean I, don't, I just can't wrap my mind around it i can't reconcile how a human being could do this to another um it, but it's just it's done all day every day and all night so um it's a big network like bill said hey they're just out to make money so yeah they're they're selling drugs and drugs narcotics illegally are still pretty much the number one a revenue maker illegally, but uh, child trafficking is now number two, and it's coming right up 
uh, I'm hearing 30 something billion dollar a year industry globally. So it's a, there's a lot of money being made and we're starting to see how some of those networks work, uh, here in the United States. And if people think that it's not uh, real, then, uh, just wait until you see our doc. We'll, we'll lay it out for you. Um, and, uh, we're helping the feds and they're helping us. And, and there, there are a lot of things building to where the American public are going to be walked through how it works, but it's just really a matter of making money. Heartless, gutless people, uh, soulless, human beings that are just preying upon uh the, the the less fortunate and the defenseless and and uh keeping them captive and selling them so it's uh it, it's sickening but man it's big big bill well, let's talk about this the the money aspect of this would these undercover uh networks of, of criminal activity be able to function without the approval of banks and how much are the banks involved i mean we see every year HSBC and the, all these other different banks being charged fines for billions of dollars of uh, money laundering for for drug dealers. Yet what they have to pay out in fines is minimal compared to the kind of business, you know, $50 million fine for $3 billion in, in money laundering. How much are the banks involved in allowing this activity to continue by not asking questions of where money comes from? Well, I think the, the banks, have, in fairness to them, have, have stepped up uh, a, a lot more in recent years, maybe because they're, they're forced to. But, you know, the majority of bankers aren't these predators. Uh, you know, they, they, they still have families. Uh, they have the things. They're, they worship money. That's the problem. You know, money is their only um, metric of success, uh, and the size of their bonus uh, defines who they are. So, you know, you, you, you've got that. But there's, there's starting to be a lot more... Uh, overlay and, and surveillance tools to try to identify wh- where does this money come from. The, the bigger problem is simply, uh, I don't think, you know, by and large people fully understand what money laundering really is. Almost 99% of the way that, that money is laundered are perfectly legitimate, normal ways. Buying and selling a car isn't illegal. You know, it's the source of the money that's the issue. And, and Craig would know better than me, but I suspect that at, at the street level, where, where children are being trafficked and, and certainly I know from, from my covert days, uh, dealing with lots of hookers, you know, cause they're selling drugs and, and you have it. They're just out there, $10 tricks for the, you know, for the, for the next rack, their crock, their, uh, crack, uh, cocaine type of thing. So the, most of the money that's generated from what I call street level crime is in fives, tens and $20 bills. It's not wire transfers. It's typically not credit cards. Although, again, now with the advent of uh, cryptocurrencies, uh, the, the ability to do, have these payment apps, I mean, anything that is a stored measure of value uh, is a form of currency. Uh, but, but again, most bad guys, uh, you know, when you're doing a drug deal, or I'm sure when you're, when you're buying a, a, a prostitute, uh, they want cash. You know, everything else uh, doesn't work. So it's when you start seeing all this amounts of, uh, of, of street cash starting to be aggregated and how it comes in, uh, that should be the flags for the banks. But, but I, you know, there's, there's a big story brewing out of Australia with the, with the CBA, uh, Commercial Bank of Australia or Commonwealth Bank of Australia. So yeah, they, they had what they call smart ATM machines. And, and these smart ATM machines are supposed to be wonderful, identify money laundering. What a fiasco. Uh, millions and hundreds, maybe hundreds of millions of dollars of dirty money came in. 
And this cash, as it's hitting into these small bank branches, uh, nobody thought to say, hey, well, what's going on here? And now we know it's all been organized crime. Uh, let's put the money into the banking system. How much of that comes from the drug trade, the sex trade in Australia? Uh, nobody knows. But it's infiltrating the system because banking systems, uh, when they're not uh, effective, there seems to be nobody uh, awake at the switch to say, well, how, how, how does all this physical cash suddenly start popping up? We live in a small town. Uh, we used to average maybe $1,000 a weekend. Now we're getting $300,000 a weekend. Those are pretty obvious uh, flags. And, and again, uh, you know, the, the, the problem is so vast that, that uh, you know, it's, it's like looking for a needle in a haystack. But one of the things, and you touched on earlier, whether it be the migrants coming over, whether it be, you know, trade treaties, bad guys aren't stupid. They look, how can I move my product? And again, product could be people, could be drugs, could be contraband. And how do I move my money? I want to see the flows. If there's a flow of traffic of people, it's easier for me to hide my my product or people in that flow. If there's an increase with you know free trade agreements, what are the goods that are going to be starting to move? Because I can start moving my contraband into the volume of trade and hide it into that volume of, of trade that's going back and forth. The, the reality is, uh, as as heinous as as the crime of, of, of sexual slavery is, it is, it is, if you break it down and be dispassionate, it's just simply a product. And all these products move in the same way and they follow the same principles. And, and I think that's where, uh, money laundering investigators have to go back, uh, to, to square one and understand the fundamentals. I, I, I do a bit of public speaking to all these so-called, uh, financial experts and fintech where they're coming in to, to help uh, save the, the banking community by better payment systems. And I always ask them a couple questions. It's okay. And I'll give you an example. It was a room of about 400 people. It was the fintech final words in, in Hong Kong. I said, okay, all you guys are coming here to, to save the banking system and how to move money faster, better, easier. I said, that's great. Let me ask you, by, raise your hand. How many people know what Smurfs are or Smurfing? Not one single hand went up. Yeah, smurfing. And then I asked them a second question. Okay, how many of you people know what structuring is? One hand went up out of 400. I said, listen, I just asked you the basic DNA building block questions of modern money laundering, and you didn't even know what I was talking about. And you think that with all your apps and fintech and and payment systems that you really know the downside of what you're bringing into the market? And and just so your audience knows, structuring, when the the Colombians uh, were flooding North America with cocaine, uh, they had all in street currency, five tens and twenties. How do we get it into the banking system so we can uh, repatriate it back to, to to Mexico or sorry, Colombia? And so they would hire all these low-level drug dealers and pay them. And they were called Smurfs. Go set up all these bank accounts and and try to keep it under the ten thousand uh, dollar reporting. And then that that's Smurfs, the little blue guys, just little army of guys. And the structuring is, as I have four or five hundred accounts, I need to start aggregating it, structure it. So it's, it's in a one or two accounts and I can do something meaningful with it. And, and, but again, as I told the audience, maybe you, sh- you didn't know what it was by definition, but you ought to have if you think that you've got some great product coming into the banking system. Wow. And, and again, this is the problem. People don't understand what they're bringing in. They understand technology, but they don't understand human behavior. Okay. And, and that makes perfect sense. Uh, Craig, I, I mean, the level of, information education it's somewhat limited uh, as Bill Miker had said even in 
professional cir- circles who should know or at least have a basic grasp on, on that. Are you finding the same thing, especially with respect to the, the trafficking side, the, the specialty in which you operate? I think so. You know, with the the parents can do so much with the kids. Talking about the, the child trafficking, sure. You know, one of the programs that we're working on is is an educational system for for the schools. And a lot of the children, uh, they're tech savvy to a to a degree. They understand how to use the apps, but they don't understand how predators abuse those same apps and and prey upon them through those those apps. And they don't understand that they're talking. You know, they think they're talking to another friend, and they they oh, you know. You know, one of my guys said he caught his, his son on a, on a game. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, well, I live in this part of this town. Yeah, 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 and this is my dad. And, yeah, we're going to go to here. And and the guy the guy asked his son, he said, well, why are you giving all that information out on the net? Who, who are you giving it to? Oh, it's it's just my friend. Oh, really? Who's your friend? Oh, it's just, I don't know the name, Wilbur. Let's just make up a name, <laughs> Wilbur. And, uh, when did you meet Wilbur? Oh, well, two days ago. We've been playing for two days. We're, we're friends. So that's the new virtual friend. And so the children don't understand that Wilbur's a creepy pedophile working him and creating a false friendship and then just going to lure him into harm's way. And uh, so that's one area that we can really uh, not just educate the children uh, through some very powerful and meaningful programs that will change and save lives, but uh, the parents, man, we really – so many times the parents can intervene and smarten up their own children to keep an eye out and and uh and not let them fall into this this pattern in the first place got it all right uh wow all right yeah and it's as parents obviously you've got to keep your your eyes on the interactions of of, of the young uh, a question to you both when when we're talking about uh, human trafficking and the trafficking of children and the trafficking of humans, including children, for the purposes of illegal organ harvesting in that context. How many missing people are there in the world? And Bill Micro uh, referenced this as well. I guess how many, how many people are, are, are missing or are, let me rephrase this question. How many, how many people are involved in or victims of the larger a human slash organ slash sex trade. Do we have any numbers? Uh, Craig, I'll toss it to you first. I've I've had numbers, and I started quoting numbers a while back, and I, I've quit uh, because one of our researchers and, and investigators uh, told me this, that uh, a lot of these uh, agencies, these federal agencies, have been found to be quoting each other. <laughs> and, and and just having faith in this other agencies, their their stats have to be current, but they're no, they're sometimes a decade or more old. And they just keep um, perpetuating these these stats, assuming that they're accurate. And so I don't want to to be guilty of that. I I've, I'm holding all my stats until we run our own and start ascertaining what what the numbers really look like, and then I'll, I'll feel confident and start start sharing that. Uh, okay, want to be and that, that's fair enough. Yeah, yeah. When I started in preparation for tonight's broadcast, I was looking for information, specific information about this, about you know, first of all, where do you look, Bill, Micah, any thoughts on this? How can we get a, a good, comprehensive handle on this? At least the well, numbers. Go ahead. I no, I mean that's the problem. It's like you know how much how much money laundering is is actually taking place. Nobody really knows. Everybody's just guessing. Um, the the 
but you know, one of the things, there's, it's an issue in Canada. Uh, we have a big uh, commission of inquiry going on now about missing and murdered uh, Aboriginal women. And, you know, so they got a great media play, but the reality is uh, a lot of the women who were reported missing, you know, left Aboriginal uh, communities, came to the big cities and got embroiled in, in drugs, alcohol, uh, and, and, and so a lot of them, you know, they're, they're not really missing. They just uh, sort of dropped out, uh, and, and the families make missing person reports. Uh, you know, police locate them. They say, look, I'm an adult. I'm fine. And, and so there's really not much the, the, the police can do. Um, and, and I think, you know, across North America, there's, there's enough uh, uh, structure that, uh, you know, I don't think it's as, as rampant as it is in undeveloped countries where you've got, uh, you know, civil strife, breakdown, abject poverty, uh, record keeping, uh, is, is poor. But, but again, it comes in all, all shapes. Um, you know, I, I, I'll tell you a funny story. Um, when, when I was, uh, inside the, uh, the cartels, uh, they wanted me to always go down to Bogota. And I said, look, I, I don't want to go into Colombia. I said, I don't want it in my passport. The reality was it wasn't safe and I wasn't approved to go. But they want to meet in, in Dutch Antilles, Curaçao, or, or one of those places, because then they said the bosses will come meet you, and, and they would just fly from a plane from Venezuela, stay, uh, you know, international airspace, low, very short period of time. So they would come. And, and one of the things, we had to get the Department of Justice uh, to get a legal opinion whether, whether I could have sex, because they wanted to be good hosts, so they would come with Colombian women. Wow. And, and you know, and so, they're there, they want to be good hosts, and 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 so this was an issue. How, how do we deal with it? So DOJ uh, gave the opinion that yes, uh, you could. Uh, it's clear. You just got to ascertain. Uh, you, you could have sex, but are the women there of their own free will and volition? Are they of age and is it consensual? And understand that if it goes to court, it's all going to be revealed. So if you're married or have a relationship, uh, you know it's going to come out. And the point I'm making on that is you look at a lot of these outlaw bikers, you look at these organized crime groups, they're the ultimate chauvinists. Women are just a, a, a form of property. And so you see it every day in America when, when you look at, uh, especially with some of the outlaw biker gangs, women women are, uh, to a large extent, are just property. They, they may think otherwise, but that's all they are. And, 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 and it's a, a common technique with, with some groups that, you know, they want to find out if you're an undercover, They'll, they'll tell the girl, hey, you take them in the back and look after them. If you're a righteous bad guy, why would you say no to, you know, whatever? And, and, and so this is the reality of, of what you see and, and face and work with in this world. And that's happening in America in every city every day. So how big is the problem? It, it's, it's more substantial, I think, than people are willing to, to admit. Um, and, and, but I think the, the third world countries, is really where you're you're seeing your your greatest uh, crimes against humanity in terms of a lot of these uh, young children and, and and adults as well who have nobody advocating for them. They have uh, nobody yeah. uh, standing up for their rights. And and yep. uh, you know it's it's an absolute disgrace that in in countries such as the United States and Canada we we have this problem that we've allowed it to fester. We've allowed it to 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 carry on and. And, you know, maybe it's time that we, we change the discourse. And, and, you know, I, I think that, you know, I'll throw it out there. I mean, and I'd love to hear Craig's uh, thoughts on what I'm about to say, but maybe it's time we look at legalizing prostitution. 
That's Whoa, a red light area. You're 19 years of age. This is where you go. If, if I'm a man, I just want to go have sex. I can go into a, an area that is that you know there's health checks, uh, it's tax, it's it's there. Wow. If, however, I choose to go down a side alley and and you know taking whatever's off the street, um, it's not really sex I want. And a lot that's where a lot of the 15, 16 year old runaways are. And and then you are a sexual predator. Interesting. Sex that you want. So you can go to uh, red light area. Okay, I, I I didn't mean to overtalk you, but but you're, what yeah. you're saying is to, to get get rid of the black market, just as they did with prohibition, and are attempting to do, I think, in some states with with marijuana. Now you're saying, well, legalize it, and uh, you're going to eliminate much of the black market, making the uh, the activity safer as well as profitable for the state, right? That's, that's generally it, uh, but it's really designed that if I'm a John and I'm I'm going uh, to pick up that young teenage girl, um, you should be done as a as a as a pedophile, as a child predator, and you should be looking at minimum sentencing because if it's sex you want, go to this area of town that's regulated, and and, and mm. from the public health it's a lot safer. But you're feeding somebody's drug addiction, uh, and you're taking advantage of their weakened state, and and so it's not sex. It's it's something else you're chasing. Understood. All right, Craig, your thoughts on this? I I can't wait to hear what you've got to say. Very interesting. I understand it. I'm not sure I agree with it, but I understand what you're saying, Bill. Uh, Craig. Yeah, I, I understand what he means too. You know, there are different strategies strategies to try to find a solution. You see people in harm's way. You try to explore how can we get around this. Let's like like the drugs. You know, uh, I understand the the thinking there too. Let's legalize drugs, and we'll disempower the cartel. Uh, we can get some revenue for the for the the state or the the country, and and you know the the same model may be um, sought for for prostitution. You know, morally that wouldn't line up with with my beliefs, but um, you know, right now we've got a lot of people being being abused and and uh, a lot of big crime. Uh, controlling the, the the prostitutes, so the prostitutes don't make the money. They're, well, they 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 earn the money, but it goes. They don't get to spend the money. Right. So uh, right. yeah, I, I see what Bill means there. It would it would empower them and give them their own business, so to speak, and uh, and and it wouldn't be just going to an abusive pimp, and uh, and there would be some controls on health and all that, like they do in some of the other uh, foreign countries, you know. Um, so you know, I, yeah. I get it, man. I get it, and I applaud any any um, anybody seeking solutions because so many people just don't care, and they won't even admit that there is a problem. And and uh, I think we all put our heads together. We we could find solutions. All for right, these things. Oh, we, we 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 must. Uh, okay, uh, and, and again, this is this is a conversation we're having. A, a lot of uh, a lot of media would not have these kinds of conversations. So everything is on the table being discussed, regardless of of who, if you're listening, whatever your beliefs are. At least this is being discussed in an intellectual format. Now, uh, to, to both of you, uh, kind of closing this out here a little bit, uh, Craig and and Bill. But Craig, starting with you. Two things, and one that you both mentioned, but I want to revisit this. Actually, both of these issues were mentioned, but I want to revisit both of these. The first one is the executive order that was referenced earlier, the December 21st, 2017 executive order. And I'm not sure it was an executive order by definition, but the 
the trafficking um, action that Donald Trump had written, and then the subsequent activity of some of the people, oh, I don't know, you that that, that we saw kind of moving, the, the asset forfeiture thing, and, and the activities of some of the people, and I'm not going to get into the names, but what happened there? Um, what was that all about, really? Okay, that that's question number one, and question number two, and again, this is to both, uh, you can start off with Craig, why isn't anyone really getting to the bottom of what happened with the Clinton Foundation in Haiti, especially with respect to the Laura Silsby connection and the 33 children coming through the Indian Spain stopped and, and, and we've got Laura Silsby coming back, changing her name to Gaylor, working for the, uh, uh, Amber Alert system. So Craig, a couple of things for starters to you, sir. Man, well, well, I'm not involved in that investigation, but I, you know, with all those sealed indictments and the nature of the the wording of that December 21, 2017 executive order, man, that that um, that that's powerful. That allows, I mean, the seizure of assets and and uh, the arrest of people. It, it reads like it like it was tailor-made for the Clinton Foundation and those uh, associated with them and, and those like George Soros um, subversives. And uh, I, I don't know what all those sealed indictments are for or what the timing looks like on them pulling the pen on those. But uh, as a, as American patriot and, uh, you know, father and husband and, and uh, tax-paying citizen, I cannot wait. To, to, to see some, some justice. I think the American people are starved for it. And, uh, and until people see that there's going to be accountability and that the hammer's going to fall on the, on the most abusive, the most corrupt, uh, the most damaging, then, uh, people aren't going to have any faith in the system whatsoever. So it's been long overdue. I, I suspect they're probably, uh, building their cases and making them bomb proof so that when that hammer falls, it falls once and it, and it's done with. And, um, I know that they're expanding the Gitmo facility to, to house many, many more than have been normally used and housed there. I, I applaud that. I think uh, that's fantastic. I know a, a high-level official that was involved in the the, the buildup of that facility, and I and I interviewed him about it. I asked him, you know, is that Gitmo facility appropriate, and and is it in the Gitmo charter? To, to house American traders or is that just for international terrorists? And he said, oh no, Craig, that's, that's exactly for a, a high level trees and that's, uh, American traders. That's, ex- that's exactly what it allows for. So I'm excited about it. I can't wait. Uh, so, I don't so it's, know. It's what not a conspiracy theory. I mean, it's right on whitehouse.gov. You can go read it there right it is. now. Okay, so so those people who are out there saying it's discredited and debunked, Craig Sawyer, there it is. Okay, a source who knows what he's talking about. Bill Miker, uh, uh, I'll, I'll just kind of flip it to you, Bill, on on that executive order action uh, in December, and of course the all of the activities of of, of those in response to that executive order, executive action from uh, twelve twenty one. Your thoughts? Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, Kevin Schiff, who's been on your show many times, yep. uh, he and I are working uh, together on uh, putting uh, evidence points, and we, we've gathered quite a bit of information. I'm, I'm getting more every day uh, that's focusing in on the, the Clinton Foundation. 
and, and this isn't hyperbole. I, I, you know me, I've never been a conspiracy sort of guy. I just kind of go where the, where, where the points lead me. But uh, we're putting together quite a body of, of evidence that and you go check it out yourself. Don't, don't take my word for it. Here's where you find it. Here's where the dots connect. And, and it, is, it, it is vast. And, and in my research, uh, uh, one person more than any other uh, is, has been behind the rot of the last 30, 40 years and is very, very much uh, linked uh, to the Clintons, uh, George Soros. And he's a Canadian uh, by the name of Maurice Strong. If you've never heard of him, you're going to hear a lot more. He, he, he died a couple of years ago. But I'll tell you about how much he loved children. He was the, uh, he was the guy who ripped off a million dollars for the Iraq oil for food program rather than the money go to the kids. He's also the guy that set up the World Summit, uh, economic, uh, not economic, but the, uh, uh, on the environment. Uh, he was also the money behind, uh, uh, the Chicago Climate Exchange. Uh, he, his, his cousin, uh, a devout, uh, Maoist, when she died in 1970, uh, the deputy premier of China arranged her, uh, her funeral. Uh, this Maurice Strong, uh, he has very strong links. I, I don't want to get into it all here right now, but everything from the Clinton Foundation to the Canadian tax treatment on CRA for the foundation, the Rockefeller, uh, to the Aga Khan Foundation, uh, this, this web is real. Uh, it's, it's very well connected. Uh, Maurice Strong, uh, as an environmentalist, he's, he's a big follower and the lead proponent of this Gaian religion. His neighbor at his facility in Colorado happened to be uh, uh, Bill Richards, Richardson, former governor of New Mexico. When he got, you know, Lisa Ling back from North, North Korea, Richardson didn't do that. Maurice Strong lined that all up because he's been a friend of the North Koreans since, uh, since the 1990s. Uh, him and George Soros go way back. You know, the tie-ins to the, to the UN. At one point, uh, Maurice Strong was, 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 uh, feted to be, become the head of the UN. Uh, but he was the, the guy behind the whole strategy of using carbon trading credits to uh, transfer it to China. Um, Kevin and I just did a, a little bit of expose on the whole China gate. And as you saw the, you know, uh, Lap Min Xing, uh, the, the, the Chinese businessman who was just given a three year jail sentence, uh, in, in New York for trying to bribe UN officials, uh, and, and did bribe them in fact. Um, but he was a big uh, fundraiser for the Clintons in the 1990s and funneled a lot of money from behalf of the Chinese uh, intelligence service. Uh, into the Clinton Foundation, uh, not Foundation, but into the Clinton Legal Defense Fund for Bill Clinton at the time, and to the Democratic Party, and a lot of it went through a restaurateur in Arkansas. So th this isn't this isn't hyperbole. This isn't uh, fluff. Um, it, it's coming together. Uh, it's not a coincidence that the Canada Revenue Agency uh, has, has uh, only given a, a designation to just a few uh, charities that allow them to be exempt from uh, who uh, paying tax, but also exempt under the Privacy Act of Canada as to who, who brought the money into your into your uh, charities. One happened to be the, the Clinton uh, charity. The others uh, two were for the Aga Khan Foundation. I was involved in the, the money laundering investigation into the Aga Khan Foundation where they, they laundered uh, millions of dollars, over $100 million. Uh, the IRS ran a sting. Uh, I, I dealt with the, the cooperating witness on that. Uh, where he held out to be cocaine money, running it through the uh, through the through the church or mosque, whatever they want to call it. We intercepted money coming across the border in the trunk of a Mercedes, all for the Aga Khan Foundation. Well, lo and behold, uh, of the four uh, charities that are given this status by CRA, uh, two belong to the Aga Khan, 
One belonged to the Clintons, and the fourth belonged to the Council on U.S.-Canada Relations, which was set up by David Rockefeller. But Marie Strong touches all of that, every single one of those. And, again, more than we need to go into here right now, but there is a clear evident trail. And as Craig brought up, and you brought up about, you know, with Haiti, there's a chap by the name of Peter Gallo that you should talk. He's been on C-SPAN because he did a congressional hearing about two years ago. But Peter was a whistleblower at the U.N. on the sexual behaviors and the cover-ups of the U.N. for many years. I mean, he was basically thrown out, blackballed, but he's 100% been telling the truth, and it's coming out now. So there is a weight of material that exists, and you can see why desperate people, you know, do desperate things to try to keep the light from shining on it, which is the best cleaner. And the only thing I would add with things that seem to be afoot now, you know, I don't know who said it, but they say that a society is best judged by how it treats its children and how it treats its animals. And, you know, if you want to say you're a proper society, you better do a step up to the plate and protect all children, not just American children. Very well said, Bill, and that's exactly right. We have about 20 minutes left. I want to make sure we get into this. You mentioned earlier about, you know, through the trade, countries or entities being able to hide things and secure things through international shipping and trade. I want to ask you about immigration. We've heard a lot this week about from the border wall to the caravan of immigrants and border security, the importance of border security at our borders. And many people have made the claim that this is not only to stop illegal immigration, but also to stop things like the narco trafficking, the human smuggling rings. How much do you think border security plays into the ability of law enforcement to sniff these operations out, meaning more security at the border? Will it sniff more of these operations out? Obviously, it will never get it all. But do you think this is a step in the right direction? Absolutely. I mean, the more you can intercept the points where people, contraband, are coming into your world. Does it make sense to deal with somebody on your front lawn, or does it make more sense to deal with them 3,000 miles away at the border or where they exist? Why would you want to fight in your own front yard? That makes no sense to me. And so all these people, nobody's saying anything about no to immigration. They're just saying let's make sure we know who's coming in and whether they meet the approval of what we want in our country. And I feel the same way for Canada. I'm sure you feel the same way about the United States. But it's a lot easier to fight a battle away from your front yard than on your front yard. And for people who think different, I say all the time, tell you what, I'm going to come to the States. Do you mind if you'll notice my tent pumped up in your front yard, or I might move a motor home in your driveway, and do you mind leaving the door unlocked so I can come in when I need to use the bathroom? They're going to tell me to pound sand. But if you're going to do it for your own house, say no to me. Why would you say to the whole country that it's open territory, come and do it? I mean, it defies logic for me. You know, for you, Bill, I would allow you in, but nobody else. Maybe Craig the Sawman Sawyer. But, no, you're exactly right. What's that? He said maybe to me. You see that, Bill? Yeah, see. 
He wants that mattress for himself. You're doggone right. Uh, <laughs> hey, I, I got to send you a mattress uh, it's to the sawman and then the bill. I'll tell you. Good night's sleep. But, 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 uh, Craig, uh, the, the, yeah, um, what Bill said. I mean, really, what Bill said. But, but speaking to not just the immigration or the wall or the border security, but the people who are pushing the open borders for crying out loud, there's another agenda there too, I think. Uh, I oh, think, yeah. yeah. And, and, and you, you kind of spoke on that too. So, I mean, in, in closing here, expand on that, if you will. Uh, well, it, look, if you, if you want to break down the United States for foreign control, you want open borders. You want to flood the United States with trouble so that you can treat all Americans uh, like they're troublemakers. So, um, muddy the water. You, you import a bunch of, um, terrorists and, and you, you're like, look, we got a, we got a violence problem. We got to take everybody's weapons or, uh, you know, we got a big drug problem. We got to take some more of your rights. We got to take more government control over the people. And, and it's just a game that we see played over and over and over again. They want the, they want to just force migrate all kinds of flood of, of, uh, of, of problematic uh, people from around the world, and, and then use that as an excuse to, to uh, gain more control over the citizens. It's, oh, like, it's an ugly, right. yep. ugly game. Now, you know, you mentioned you mentioned the border. Down on the border, we were down there recently, and yeah, there, you know, there are the majority of the people that at work and and the the border enforcement are great people, and they're they're doing their jobs. And you have a percentage, you know, maybe twenty percent of them that are hard chargers or maybe 10% that are really hard chargers that will get out of their trucks and go and chase people down and really make the the, the good work happen. And you got a percentage on the bottom that won't do much because they're guaranteed federal employee and they can't be fired. Um, and then you've got a, you know, a grayscale in between of, of every which kind of people that, uh, you know, do a great job or, or, or anything in between. And, uh, the reason that it's not more effective now are the holdovers from before, the deep state subversives, the, right. the, the, the SES level executives or the, the, the senior management that's there from, uh, the, the past era who are still just inclined to take the paycheck, keep the border open, keep the money coming, keep the, uh, the contraband pouring through because everybody's making money off of it and, uh, maintain the status quo. So while Trump means for that border to be sealed, you know, until now, it's still been uh, fairly wide open. I think initially there was a there was a, a great reduction in the flow of traffic because they they knew that Trump probably meant business, and so they slowed down. And then once they saw that, nope, still still running pretty well. I think that the the, the people doing the job but weren't really carrying out Trump's wishes uh, to the fullest extent. And so now I think. Uh, Looks like that's all about to change, but until now, it's still been relatively open, and it's it's those holdovers, the subversives that are uh, have been undermining the, the will of the president. The, the 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 absolute permanent state bureaucracy. You mentioned SES for those people unfamiliar with that acronym. What, what is that? Yeah, that's the Senior Executive Service, and that's a that's a pay band above typical government. Uh, pay scale and it's it turns out to be kind of a good old boys club I, i'm not going to condemn all scs level executives but the one that i w- worked under in the federal air marshal service came from the fbi and he they fired him for gross mismanagement eventually i 
I reported him, and they eventually fired him for exactly what I reported him for. But that guy was, uh, I mean, he was keeping illegal J. Edgar Hoover-style dirt files on his own agents. Now, not the problematic agents, but the the, the cleanest um, white hat agents, the ones doing the best job. So, I mean, he was absolute uh, crook, scumbag. I mean, just a, just a bad human being. So, uh, if he's any indication of, of what to expect across the spectrum of SES, they need to have a hard yeah. look at that organization. Absolutely. We only have a couple of minutes left. As a matter of fact, uh, we're going to have to um, bow out early because of a few issues with our uplink status here. So, uh, Craig, uh, Promote here in the next couple of minutes, and then we'll t- we'll close it out with Bill Micker. But uh, but Craig the Sawman, go ahead and promote your uh, uh, the documentary and your endeavors. And congratulations, by the way, on the successful operation you conducted. Boots on the ground, folks. Is is Greg the Sawman Sawyer? His organization's vet vets the number four child rescue. Um, follow him on, on social networking as well, but uh, uh, go ahead and promote your documentary and anything else that you would like to promote, and then I'm going to kick it to Bill, and then we're out of here. So go ahead, sir. Okay, absolutely. Well, um, we've got Contraland coming out. If I have my way, it'll be September. We've got more operations that we are running and and filming that will round out the story and the, the factual evidence that we want to share with the American public. So some of these things are event-driven. They are not necessarily timeline-driven. We can't cause a couple of these things to happen. And there are big internationally coordinated uh, operations. And so we are working through those. As soon as it's done, we'll, we'll have it in the can, so to speak, uh, production-wise. And then there's three months of post-production. My determination, I really want that thing out in September. Um, so that's that. That's what the timing looks like, unless the, the operations push it a little bit later. Understand. Uh, yeah, yeah. Man, I, I so, love it. I can't wait. Yeah, so they can go to vetsforchildrescue.org, help donate. Um, you know, we are not uh, federally funded. We do not have any big billionaires funding us. We are working on a small budget. Uh, the, the level of quality that we are filming this in is the, the highest level of production quality, and, and that's so that it will be attractive and meaningful uh, to the American public and they will consume the factual information in it and so that ultimately we can have a greater effect culturally against child trafficking and pedophilia. That's the objective. Uh, but we're doing it on the cheap, man, and, uh, and it's five, ten, and fifty dollar donations from, uh, everybody, from good people. So we appreciate that and, uh, and we, somehow, some way we've got to appeal to some bigger players because there are some huge moves that we can make. We are uncovering some very uh, some, some, uh, networks that, uh, we, information that we're mapping out that, that paints a very big and powerful picture. And we're working with the feds on it, but man, we could do so much more if, if we had a little bit better funding. So it's just a matter of what, what can we do with what we've got. So that's for childrescue.org. We appreciate anything everybody can do and, uh, and, and, and that's the thing. People need to people need to help because it's not just the documentary, but it's the actual extractions and going in, boots on the ground, support, logistics, everything to save children, either one at a time or or you know multiple victims. That's what you're doing, and that you need so, people to help you out, right? I mean, it's simple as yeah, that. Absolutely, yeah. All right, absolutely. All right, and Bill, I'm going to turn my attention, our attention to you, uh, Bill Miker. Um, your closing thoughts here, 
as we, I, I see our platforms becoming a little bit unstable because of Zonar and uh, so no worries, but but Bill, um, your closing thoughts as you're here as we as we uh, close out this episode. Well, I I think that uh, what I like about what's happened over the last few years, the what I call the loony left, has pushed things to so such an extreme that people like Craig, myself, others. I mean, I, I've met some good people uh, uh, who've been guests on your show, and, and and now I have dialogue going, and we're we're comparing uh, what our skill sets are, our networks. And how we can force multiply some of this for the greater good. And I, I, I think with with what uh, you know, the Trump derangement syndrome has has really shown the world is is that there's a need for for good people, men and women alike, to step to the plate and and not take a selfish perspective that hey, I'm just going to look after um, me and my loved ones. There's a greater purpose. There's a greater good. And that's how we build a just society. It's not by putting out stupid platitudes. And yelling in somebody's face uh, about how how wrong they are and how right you are. This isn't about politics. This is about human decency, and 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 putting forward uh, after we leave this earth the uh, the better values that we can bring to society. And and that's why I admire what Craig's doing. I I with my own I have a couple of businesses. One we we sponsor uh, two Agent Orange orphanages in Vietnam because we have some business there. We're giving part of it back. And and my partner Adam and I. Have on, on the corporate risk business have really started to focus in on a pro bono. And Adam, in fact, funds a number of kids that put them into school uh, to, who, who have been victims of, of, uh, of abuse or poverty in Thailand. And, and, and again, that there are many unsung heroes out there that we don't even see uh, who, who are fighting the fight. And, and for guys like Craig and myself, I, I'm, I, I have no problem sort of being a front man and trying to get the message out. But it is not just uh, Craig alone or I alone or, or anybody alone. There, there, there's a starting to be a growing groundswell. Since I've been on your show, uh, uh, Joe, I've had a number of people just reach out to me through my LinkedIn, which is the only social media I have for, for, for different reasons. Um, and and there are people who are just everyday people who who, who are looking for somebody to champion, uh, you know, uh, a moral balance in the world. You know, I understand why, why poverty-stricken people want to get to the United States or Canada, why wouldn't they? It's not their fault where they were born. But you don't do any favors by bringing the whole world down together. It's about taking a fair and balanced approach to, to helping people where you can and how you can. And, and you know, human trafficking, child abuse, children are the biggest uh, victims in the world because they can't speak or fight for themselves. And so I'm very proud of what Craig's doing. And, and you know, we, we go offline. Whatever I can do to support it, I will. You know, uh, Bill, well said, well articulated, and I do hope uh, that we can facilitate whatever uh, force multiplication here that, that you reference between you and uh, Craig Assam and Sawyer, Vets for Child Rescue, because with your experience and, and your your overall assets, uh, you two just would be tremendous together. I know individually you are, but uh, together certainly uh, uh, just a... Uh, a force to be reckoned with. So we, we appreciate both of you. We, from the bottom of our hearts, our listeners, viewers appreciate you, what you're doing, enlightening so much with respect to uh, really understanding. We're just scratching the surface of understanding the, the enormity of the, of the problem uh, and all aspects of the problem. So both of you, thank you so much for your gracious gift of time tonight. And I would urge everyone to tune in to uh, uh, 
both Craig Sawyer and Bill Miker. Reach out to Bill Miker on LinkedIn and uh, Craig Sawyer at Vets for Child Rescue. We're about to, uh, I, I see our stability meter here going a little bit wild, so we're going to have to cut you both loose, but God bless you. Thank you very much for uh, for your appearance tonight. Thank you, Jim. All right. Have a good weekend. All right. Folks, I was no fault of theirs on our end. We had a, we had a camera crash at the beginning of the show and, uh, one of our computer platforms is a little bit iffy. So. Oh, we're almost out of time. Yeah. And if that's, if that seemed rather abrupt, it was. But again, the problem's on our end and not, not theirs. So we have to reboot. You know how that goes. It just happens. The cameras are overworked, right? Of course, they've been on all day. Uh, or half the day anyway. But, uh, yeah, so Joe, I'm going to kick it over to you because we've we, we got some things going. Yes. We have the, uh, don't forget the Occupy 2018 conference coming up on April 20th through the 22nd in Canton, Ohio. Go to coachdavelive.com or go to the Hagman Report, find the Occupy banner. There you can register and buy your tickets. There aren't many tickets left, so make sure you do that soon. And also the hotel that is linked with the conference is um, running out of rooms as Coach Dave came on on Wednesday and shared with us. So make sure if you want to go, you get your tickets now. That way you can stay at the same hotel that's hosting the conference and you'll have your tickets and ready to go. It's only a few weeks away, uh, but two weeks away. Two weeks away from today. You uh, make your plans now. Also, we last Easter, last Easter, last Sunday was Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday, and we were not able to do our Patreon broadcast. So this Sunday, we will be making good on that. Everybody who is uh, signed up on through Patreon and is uh, a donor will get the email as per normal at 6.30 p.m. with the link and the information on how to... Uh, All okay. you have to do is yeah. go to the Patreon page. And, and let's make sure we drive this point home. There, mic up. Yeah, no, well, let's make either. sure we go to, we, we, we really drive this point home because we had, we had a few snafus earlier. So, okay, what's the process to, uh, to, to join the Patreon meeting? You go to the Patreon page at 6.30, at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday, this Sunday, for those who have, who are supporting us, go to the Patreon page. And in the post section, get your link. Is that what you said? All right. And it sends it out to those who are All right. subscribed. Okay. And should they also watch for their email too, Eric? Okay, you should be also getting an email, but very simply, go to the HagmanReport, HagmanReport.com, go to Patreon, go to the Patreon page, post section, correct? Mm-hmm. All right. Which is the front page, and uh, where do they find the link at? Okay, it'll say private live stream access something to that effect and just grab your link from there but you should as well be getting an email uh with a link provided and it's really simple if i can do it you can do it uh also uh i'm not sure but uh it's very it's possible i'm not sure that uh i might be in washington um i'm working some details out that'll be the first uh first part either monday and tuesday monday and tuesday of this coming week uh, so having said that, I don't know what's, I, uh, the reason I, the reason I brought that up is because there might be an audio only program out. And I'm saying that now in preparation. So if you tune in next week and, and, uh, I'm not here or if there's audio only, it's because I'm, I'm out and also Tech Eric would be as well. Uh, so the, otherwise tune in. 
Hagman yeah. or to the Doug Hagman uh, 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 morning show, nine o'clock on BTR and Global Star. By the way, if you haven't clicked the follow button on both of our shows, on the Doug Hagman Radio Show or the Hagman Daily Show, do that on BTR, Blog Talk Radio. You get notified of, of the uh, new program updates as well. And, and please post on social networking. Uh, help us out there as well as subscribe on YouTube. So those are the announcements. Uh, I, as I see that the, 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 the uh, stability of our platform well, We're is. almost out of time. Uh, I just found this news article, and, and not surprising, I don't know how many other people have seen this. Historians believe Queen Elizabeth II is a descendant of the founder of Islam after tracing her family tree back 43 generations, although disputed by some historians, genealogical records of early medieval Spain also support the claim. They go on to, to show these findings in 1986, uh, claim that there is a link between Queen Elizabeth her bloodline and that runs through the Earl of Cambridge in the 14th century all the way back to uh, Fatima, the prophet's daughter, and to directly uh, Muhammad, the founder of Islam. The royal family's direct descent from the prophet Muhammad cannot be relied upon to protect the royal family forever uh, from Muslim terrorists, wrote Thatcher. And this is dating back to historical arguments as to this connection but there has been new studies by the Burke's Pedigree uh, Company, which has first officially suggested the Queen's connection to the Prophet, and uh, very interesting. Either way, we see this kind of thing. Uh, go go watch, well, watch for the, their, watch for the BS. Print. Yeah, I, I know. The supposed, and I believe this to be, you know, the, the relationships, the, the blood relationships, but a lot of this is going to be used, I believe. Right, that's my question. You know, is this being? Is this a, a yep. seeded story? to pave the way for Muslims to accept the British royalty, or is this a true story uncovering something of what? I mean, how substantial is this? How many people can trace their lineage back to that, I wonder, uh, also. But interesting nonetheless. Or what does does the promotion of this mean at this point in time? Because these words, these stories have meaning, of course, and uh, you have to look at... uh, you know what's what's the end game result here? End game objective. Our thanks to Brennan House, of course, coming on talking about that issue, a tremendous issue. If you didn't hear that, go back and listen to the Brennan House segment. The war is on. War for silencing us for taking away our guns. They're not coming just for our guns. They're coming to silence us, and it's the complete annihilation of those people who believe in freedom, who believe in the sanctity of human life, who believe in rights, who believe in our country, who believe in American exceptionalism, who believe that we can, in fact, make America great again, and who believe in God Almighty. The war against you is on, and of course, disarm you and then silence you. And it's all about taking us away. We're shutting us down. It's the end of the, and you're involved too. We will be back on Monday. Everybody have a great weekend. Until then, have a, have a, a great one. We'll be back.